Hey modelers, welcome to the Model Geek Scale Modeling Podcast. Here we'll be discussing just about anything and everything as it relates to the world of scale modeling. Before we start, I would like to take a second and thank the sponsors for the Model Geeks Podcast, Detail and Scale, Furball Aero Design, and Sprue Brothers, as well as the listeners that donate to make this podcast possible. Now buckle up and ride along as we journey into the world of scale modeling. We really hope that you'll download and make us a part of your modeling mid-sessions. Now, here are the geeks, Darren Cook, Scott Samo, Andrew Frill, and Andrew White. Yo, man, what's up, everybody? Um, got Nemo here with Model Geeks Podcast, episode number 30. We're going to delve into the old how to paint modern U.S. Uh, Navy tactical paint schemes. Um, and I'm here with some my esteemed uh, colleagues. I'm sitting here with with Frildo, uh, Darren, and uh, Whitey. What's up, dudes? What's going on, man? It's snowing outside. It, what the I hell? I thought we were done with this crap. I don't think it's technically spring yet, right? Officially, no, it's not spring. So we haven't even mm-hmm. sprung forward. There you go. That's that's tonight. That tomorrow. For, is it tonight? It's tonight when it's you tonight. go to bed. It's it is tonight. Technically, early Sunday morning. Well, you know yeah. what. I think we should just leave it because, <laughs> you know, damn well, these kids aren't getting out in the fields after school harvesting potatoes and stuff. Anymore. I think we should. Oh, they do what? My, by my place. We're, we're in Southern Maryland now. I think we well, should leave it. that's what the Amish for. I think we should leave daylight savings on all the time. There you so go. So then I can play golf more. I'm in favor of that. Good. I am too. Because good times. after the week or so it takes you to adjust... And then you're yeah. on that, and then, oh, yeah, you go fall back, and you're like, oh, <laughs> just leave the crap on. Like, Arizona does not do daylight savings. That's right. No, they they don't. don't. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. Well, we'll we'll navigate the snow in March in Southern Maryland. Yay. It was like 50 degrees warmer, like, a week ago. Yeah. yeah. I was out doing yard work yeah, yesterday. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. I think- In short sleeves. It was good times. It's fun. Well, it was 70 the other day. It was. It was like, like no shit. It was like literally 50 degrees warmer. Yeah. Yay, Maryland. Go. Anyway, all right. What you guys working on, man? We'll start with, uh, we'll start over here, Frildo. What you got, man? Um, what are you well, working on? So far, I've got my, I'm still working on the MiG-23. I kind of set that aside for a little bit to make some progress on my uh, March Madness group build entry, the USA oh, model. Yeah. 148 scale, of course. 01 Bird Dog. And, oh my... I think I would have been better off doing that 72 scale um, Vesda. I think it's Vesda that AN12 EP3 variant that they have. Wow, talk about flash over everything! <laughs> you have to clean the flash off of every single part, and my wing was warped, so I had to sit there and bend it to the point where I have the stress fractures, the white, you know, the oh uh, yeah, white yeah, the, yeah. So I had to do that to get it straight. And I'm chugging along on it, I, you know, and I was getting down the weeds and because the 01, it has a interesting setup for the shoulder harnesses because it's anchored to the, the pilot. It's anchored to the back on the ground to a cable. Then it goes up and then there's a cable from the top of the wing that comes down and has like a yoke on it that the straps go through so that it holds it up off the ground. And I was like, you know, so I was like sitting here in a scratch build, all that. And I just said, you know what? Forget it. So I got the fuselage together. This is your March Madness 30-day build or 31-day so build, right? 
I didn't even put seatbelts in it. Oh, boy. Ding. And that's it. Madam so. Ding. Hmm. Slacking. Hey. <laughs> I know I wasn't going to waste my time with it, so. Oh, man. As long, as long as you can get done and have fun, that's what it's all about. Oh, it so. will be. It'll be primed mm. either tonight or tomorrow. Good I'll deal, have it primed. Man. Good deal. Cool. We'll keep crackalacking on it. I'm sure it'll look awesome when you get done with it. I hope so. Yeah, oh. man. Cool. All right, Darren. How about you, man? What's what's uh, happening? What you working on? Nothing. What? No. <laughs> it just seems like a nothing. It's like I was going through this just the other day. Uh, we are recording a little bit early, so yeah, it's kind of a quick turn. But no, but we got the March Madness yeah group built going. So yeah. you're super Tucano. How's that? How's it's, that coming? It's pressing. You ran into one small issue, though, right? I did. Uh, interference issue with the HUD and the uh, windscreen. Man, why, that's know. so common. And, I have uh, to keep that in mind when I do mine. Well, I think it was, after talking to Whitey, it's more of a self-inflicted gunshot wound because <laughs> I should have checked it before. Uh, but once I got the uh, glass in for the HUD, I didn't want to go messing with it. Because I think it looks good. And I hate doing photo wedge HUDs because... I think they look Fitly. like a, a bag of ass when I get done with them. This one actually looks pretty good, so I didn't want to mess with it. So I shimmed the uh, windscreen, brought it up some, and now I've got a nice little toenail-shaped gap i got to fix up front, but we'll get her there. That's what they make putty for, right? That's right. A little milliput around there. All good in the hood, man. Put it man. sand up, but cool. unfortunately, I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm going to make the March Madness deadline because of uh, work, but, yeah. but I'll get her done when I get back. Cool, man. It's going to be cool, though. We actually talked about it at the uh, our club meeting last week, and I think everybody's kind of pushed me towards the uh, Burkina Faso markings. Whitey was all over me. says, dude, it's green. That, it's green. That scheme's cool. And then also, who, who has a model from Burkina Faso out there? Right. Yeah. You know, no, you're going to put that on the table, people. I don't even know what those markings are. They're Is that like, the one that had that cool looking shark mouth on it? No. No. See, that's no, what he was going to roll with. And I'm like, shark mouths have been done to death, man. Yeah. And just the, the colors on the Burkina Faso, it might, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that country name correctly, but. Yep. That's right. Um, You know, it had like a a gray and a, or a green and a tan. It's a green. It's a it's a gray green. Yeah, man. And, uh, Real like cool looking. A, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I bet it'll, light it'll look gray. cool. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah, man. So I think that's what I'm gonna roll. Good deal. We'll see. Cool, man. There's a bunch of markings on that sheet. So sweet. You can always change it. I can. <laughs> or I could build another one. Oh, you can build another one. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I, I I hear you with trying to meet the. The March Madness, you know, there's just work getting, life gets in the way, but just do the best you can. Well, suddenly we're not wearing a mask anymore, and d has got to travel. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> funny how fast that happens. I hear you, man. PMR next week. Yay, go PMR. Here's your plane ticket. Go. Yep. Gee, thanks. Yep. Cool. But, well, I, you know, but you got access to, like, hobby shops and stuff. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, in South no, Korea, no, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not going to complain too much about that. It'll, yeah, man. It'll Except be for the, good I, I mean, there. the only bad part is a plane ride. It's so 14 and a half hours. Yikes. Yeah. Yummy. Yeah. Not. Oh, well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, cool. Well, good deal, man. Um, Whitey, what you got, man? What you working on? Sorry, man. You caught me mid, mid, <laughs> mid, mid swig mid, there. Mid swig. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm working on a Sam Adams Alpine Lager. There you go. It's brisk and smooth. Hell yeah. Um, uh, also running with the March Madness theme, doing a, uh, monogram AH1F that yeah, I man, picked you... up at the ODO show a couple weeks ago there. You're like cranking through that um, thing. She's on, the skids are on. And... Yeah. Not much to it. Yeah. 
How what was I have that kit? I want to build it. What so what can you give me like a reader's digest? How what's it like up till now? It's okay. It's got about the only big issue with it I think is the upper bulkhead doesn't meet with the top with the fuselage. So you can see like okay. if you're looking, you can see up through there into the road ahead yeah, area yeah. and stuff like that. So it's not all that detailed in that area. Gotcha. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it goes together well. What's that, a 90s monogram? Case? Yeah, so, 91, yeah. 92. Yeah. It um, looks cool, though, man. I, it does. It. Yeah. I mean, it, even just plastic put together looks, and the cockpit looks really cool, too. So I'm anxious to... What's yeah, I didn't do you? any uh, crazy stuff in the cockpit, just black, like a NATO black, and then dry yeah. brushed it. Cool. Um, no aftermarket seats, none of that stuff. And um, I'm going to do the markings for... Uh, the Desert Storm one, uh, tan scheme, uh-huh. and I was hunting around for decals, no dice on that, um, but Bill from the club, he had one in last month. He was doing a Japanese scheme, and one of the Ravel boxes comes with that markings for a uh, sand shark. Okay. Is, you see okay. a lot of pictures of that one. And yeah. I'd have preferred to do another Desert Storm setup, but whatever, the decals are there, so uh, Bill uh, hooked me up with those, so I'm going to do that. Cool. And... Um, yeah, it's coming along good. Uh, do a dirty, worn, desert tan s- scheme on it, and um, yeah, good deal, man. Add, yeah. it, add it to the Desert Storm collection. Yeah, how many? So how many? What? Give give me your rundown. What was how, that'll what be all? five? So I can officially put it in a quote collection at man. your local IPMS show. There you go. <laughs> what, what was your what? I so it, it'll be the Cobra, the Tornado, the S three. What else? F-117 and AV-8B. Gotcha. So all the cool, services man. are represented. Sweet. And our RAF friends. Good deal, so. man. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I can't wait to see it when you get finished. That's a, that's a, a like I said, I wanted to, I've got that kit in the stash as well, and I want to, I want to build that. Maybe one of these days I'll actually build a damn helicopter. Not bad. It goes <laughs> together good, man. Cool, man. Sweet. Um, so for me, um, just cranking through my March Madness build as well. Got the old a classic. Um, monogram A4, and uh, I got to I got to where I'm painting pretty quick. I mean, I'm already painting, so um, I had I did a, I did a few small things to it. Like I, I created um, the back, the rear decking area behind the the, the seat because it's just again like the like the Cobra, you can just see into the the bottom of the. So I just built some you know like a you know it looks like a rear deck kind of area, so you can't see through. Other than that, I just put it together, filled the seams, sanded it, re- used the brand new Exacto blade to restore the raised panel lines, and it's I'm it's ready for it's painting. So it's um and I'm gonna do I think it's a VMA 121 the Green Knights. Um, I'll have like just whatever kind of a cool looking Vietnam kind of scheme with snake eyes and some rocket pods and some other cool stuff. So. Um, I think I'm going to paint the tail with the green and the white. Um, you know, they have the ribs on the tail of the A4, so I'm not going to use a decal. I think I'm going to actually mask and paint that. Um, I don't know why I want to put myself through the torture, but I like doing that stuff. So, um, and, but I've also made some good progress on the EA6A as well. So I got the windscreen put on, painted that black. Everything was appreciated, and she's in the paint barn as well. So, um, the bottom's all done, the white's painted, and so I'm just, uh, I just need to mask some of the white's uh, stuff for the top, you know, the flaps and whatnot, and then uh, paint the gray. So we'll keep cranking through that one. And then I'm going to 
for that one, I think it's the VMAQ to uh, the Playboys. So it'll look cool. Um, anyway, well, good deal. Well, I know we're all cranking through March Madness group builds and, and, um, again, can't wait to see everybody's finished stuff, but, uh, you know, and the folks that are out there as well, you know, please don't hesitate to throw your stuff up on our, um, on our Facebook page, um, or email us pictures of your stuff. You know, we love seeing it. So cool. Um, Darren, why don't you just real quick, I know we've got, um, our detail and scale, uh, sponsorship. Why don't we hear a little bit from, uh, from rock and the boys over at detail and scale. Hey there, model geeks. Rock Rozak of Detail and Scale here, talking about our book, Colors and Markings of the F-102 Delta Dagger, the second book in our Color and Marking series, which now stands at five volumes. The book begins with a look at the three standard paint schemes applied to the Century Series fighter over its 21-year operational career. This is followed up by coverage in photographs and color profiles of every squadron that flew the deuce, and there were a lot of those. A total of 66 fighter interceptor squadrons flew the F-102 while assigned to the Air Defense Command, Alaskan Air Command, the United States Air Forces in Europe, the Pacific Air Forces, and the Air National Guard. The printed edition costs $23.99, while the digital editions are $14.99 each. All detailed scale books are available in print-on-demand, as well as digital editions in both Apple Book and Amazon Kindle formats. You can get more information, see sample pages, and get ordering links for our books at our website, www.detailandscale.com. And while you're there, check out our dozens of aircraft photo sets and the many scale modeling product reviews you'll find. That's www.detailandscale.com. And now back to the Model Geeks podcast. Really appreciate the uh, the the assistance that we and the sponsorship we we get from the detail and scale folks from uh, Mr. Burt Kenzie and Rock Rosat Rock just, uh, Rosak. Those guys are awesome. Did you download the F fourteen one yet? I have not. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah I have Real not. Nice. I, yeah, I I need to I need to I just need to buy that one. I'm I'm a paperback guy. I haven't downloaded any of them, so I need to. I need to just just buy them, you know. You know, it was funny. There was a guy on uh, Facebook because they had someone had posted a weird paint scheme that uh, I forgot what squadron had. He's like, "Man, it'd be really nice if we had some pictures of this scheme." <laughs> and Rock got on there and was like, "Oh, our new book, our F fourteen Part Three prototype, yeah. blah 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 blah." Yeah. And then I couldn't help myself. I had to get on there and I put, "Oh, it's on page one ninety eight in the electronic version." <laughs> That's a good deal, man. Yeah, those. I mean, the electronic books are. Um, I think most people really love them. I'm just old school. I even like the smell of the the old paperbacks and stuff. So you know, call me old school. But anyway, get out there and and uh, grab one of those books. Uh, of course, detail and scale is just like they're just awesome, awesome product and great people too. Yeah, great bunch of dudes. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's. Uh, we're gonna uh, head on over to some geek news. Um, just. Real quick, we'll just we actually had a meeting today. Uh, our the PaxCon committee uh, for PaxCon twenty twenty three. Um, we're we're uh, setting a pretty pretty high level here with uh, you know some of the other shows that we have in our area. They're just such fantastic shows. So I think we're really going to push to to make this a great show. Um, one of the things we did decide on 
is uh, it's official. The gavel was was hit, and everybody voted. We are going to do gold, silver, bronze for PaxCon 2023. And I think that there was a lot of discussion that we had about this. And I think the bottom line is we want to do what's best for the hobby, what's best for for folks bringing them into the hobby. Because a lot of times, and, and I used to be, a, I was a first, second, third type of guy. And Whitey said one thing to me when we were coming back from PenCon, and he's like, man, just sometimes there's work that doesn't get recognized that should be recognized. And there's a lot of good models that, that just because they don't hit the first, second, third doesn't mean they're not worthy. And that completely changed my mind. And uh, I'm really excited to say that, that we're going to do gold, silver, bronze. We're going to have some kick-ass awards too. So, and I'm in charge of the awards, so they're not going to suck. <laughs> but, um, Anyway, bottom line is, um, yeah, hopefully folks will start making plans for PaxCon 2023 down here in good old Southern Maryland. Um, it's at the Hollywood, um, the the fire department right there on uh, on 235. More info to come, and we'll have a, a website up and running here shortly um, so you guys can, can pop over and get some more information. Um, some other noteworthy uh, news stuff. I want to talk just a little bit about what's happening um, with Ukraine and Russia and just how that's affecting kit companies and being able to supply kits and aftermarket and, you know, supplies throughout the world. And I think, you know, I didn't realize how many kit companies were actually in, in aftermarket guys were from, or from Ukraine. And um, a lot of them, a lot and just to, um, you know, we're coming at at this topic from a modeler's perspective. We're not sitting here whining that I'm not going to get the latest kit from ICM because there's a damn war going Right. On. You know, <laughs> let's be clear about that. Um, uh, you know, our personal feelings aside, we're just looking at it through the, the people and the companies that are there and, and the effect uh, it's going to have from a hobby hobby perspective just want to be clear on that uh, yeah we're not we're i mean i think this is so scott just me speaking i think what's happening over there is is absolutely horrible um it's a shame that we're having to go go through this that's just my personal opinion um but you know there has been a fairly big effect on the ability to ship and produce so um, it, it's, uh, it's a tough thing that we're all kind of having to deal with. And I just feel bad for the folks in that part of the world having to, to having to go through something like this. I can't imagine going through something like this here. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, hobby wise, you know, yeah, there might be a, a little bit of an impact, um, or a, or a big impact, um, to what you can get from some of the countries and, and some of the model companies. So just folks be patient and, uh, hopefully we can, um, Get through this quickly, you know. I mean, um, how many companies are affected? You know, think about some of the stuff that comes from over there. Well, I know one of the big ticket items people are waiting on are the uh, F one eleven corrected yep. cockpits. Yeah, from ResKit. Yeah, yeah. I, I know some folks have gotten theirs. Um, I haven't even seen where to order one, so I I missed out. I didn't order one. They you, uh, they came out on ResKit's website. Site. That yeah, was it. That's the only place it. you could get them. I had spoke to Gordon a couple times, and he was going to get some in, but. You know, um, don't know he, now. No, and he's kind of, you know, some of his biggest sellers. Uh, yeah, my, you know, 
product wise come from ukraine and yep so it's affecting the hobby not just you know us as modelers trying to get stuff but yeah the folks out there that are trying to retail sure it's yeah it's just a, it's a hit on everybody yep and I, I know we had talked very briefly about this point here that uh, i think we've all talked about before is um you know please you know i would i would just you know for folks that um have you know their own everybody has their own personal opinion and feeling about um, whether Ukraine and Russia and, and what's happening. Uh, but I know from, from, for us, for example, talking model products and what, whether you buy something that's from Russia or you don't buy something from Russia or Ukraine or whatever, whatever it is, like, I think we've all talked about this and, you know, let's just say, you know, Mr. Um, Mom and Pop Hobby Shop, um, they've already paid for their products. So if they got products from Russia, like say a, a Zvezda kit that's sitting in the hobby shop, you know, don't, you know, go ahead and buy the kit if you want the kit because all it by, but you know, boycotting, buying anything Russian from a hot, your local hobby shop, you're just kind of hurting your local hobby shop. So, um, you know, I, it, I, I think I wouldn't, I mean, not me personally, I'm not hopping on eBay to buy anything, any Begemot or Zvezda kits from Russia. Um, but I'll, but I'll try my best to buy stuff, you know, from Ukraine if I could get it, but I don't think I can get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't boycott your local hobby shop. Um, if there's something there that you like, whether it's a decal sheet or a kit, you know, all that you're doing is just hurting your local shop and, and we want to, we don't want to do that. So now, now if, if you do want to help, um, inside the armor publications, they just, uh, announced they are taking pre-orders for a book. Models for Ukraine. It's a book celebrating the model manufacturers of the Ukraine, and all profits will be donated to the to humanitarian aid to Ukraine. Uh, so that again is inside the Armor Publications. So if you go to their website www.insidethearmor.com, you'll see a link uh, to uh, pre-order that book. And as they say, all the profits will be donated to any uh, to human, hum, humanitarian aid. For those in the Ukraine. And to tell us more about it, here's Chris Mettings from Inside the Armor Publications. This is Chris from Inside the Armor Publications. Like many of you, I've been watching the news over the past few days and have been appalled by the suffering and hardship inflicted on the people of Ukraine as they attempt to flee the war in their country. I decided to reach out to other companies and modelers in the hobby and to see if we couldn't do something to support the charities that are helping these people. The results of this is the book, Models for Ukraine. The book features only models manufactured by Ukrainian manufacturers as built by modelers from all over the world who have gladly and freely given their time and work to support this charity effort. The full profits of the book will go directly to humanitarian aid. Our printer have given us an incredible discount at less than cost and all of those involved have given their work for free. The only thing that will be deducted from the price of the book is the transaction fees and a small cost of printing. Everything else will go directly to humanitarian charities to support people in Ukraine. If you'd like more information, please go to www.insidethearmor.com. It will be sold there and in other sources as I talk to them and make arrangements for them to sell the book as well. Please do buy the book. Or alternatively, please do find a charity such as Red Cross, Disasters Emergency Committee or others to do what you can to support women, children and civilians fleeing this awful war.
Thank you. Um, yeah, well, again, you know, just uh, really, you know, whatever you can do, just, you know, we all have our own personal uh, preferences, but, you know, don't boycott your, your local um, hobby shops for selling Russian uh, items um, because, again, those that stuff's already been paid, bought and paid for. You know, definitely w- w- the being able to uh, buy the book, like Whitey described, uh, to go and, and uh, contribute towards the Ukrainian folks. You know, please, please, uh, definitely support. We, we support that, and um, hopefully, you know, some sometimes uh, cooler heads will prevail, and um, we can move past this. And because uh, I don't think there's anything ever good that comes out of a situation like that. All right, um, new kits. New stuff on the streets. So uh, just doing a little bit of research. Uh, I know that we talked about this one before, but that new Great Wall Hobby uh, 30-second scale, I think it's the P40B, is out now. I know a couple of hobby shops I've seen. It's expensive, though. It's like 220 bucks. Wow. Wow. Seriously? Yes. For a 32-scale P40B? Yeah. But have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. No need for any aftermarket. It's pretty awesome. But I agree, two twenty. That's 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 retail. Yeah. That that is retail. That's retail. So that ain't free. No, it ain't wow, free. that ain't free. <laughs> that, that ain't free. <laughs> but anyway, but it's out, which is cool. Um, another thing, and Darren, I don't mean to steal your thunder here, but I just was we were over at Darren's the other day, um, and I noticed that he had a bottle of the new Tamiya Super Strong yep. decal setting solution, and um. He only had one bottle, so I didn't take it. Um, I ordered one as well. Did you? Where'd I you did. order it from? eBay. Yeah. Oh, eBay. Yeah, okay. Just get on eBay. It's all over. It's all over? Okay. Anyway, I've heard this stuff is like awesome. Yeah. Like it's really, really, really good. Now, I, I love Solvaset. That's 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 the stuff that I like to use. And then we talked about, was it the last episode we talked with TJ about that he likes to use, you know, now yeah. his... X yeah. twenty two twenty. No, X20. he likes to use Tamiya extra extra thin. Extra thin. Oh, oh yeah, man, teat. that's right. And yeah. I was like, we're all like, like squirrels just like totally stopped, and we're like, what in the Sam Hill are you talking about, son? Putting goddamn well. glue on your damn dick. But he's the way he talked about. It, it's not like he lobs it on there. Well, he also said it's the nuclear option. It yes. is. It is the last thing. He right, right, right. But I just, I, I don't know if, if it was the nuclear. It, my last option is a, is a exacto blade yeah. and some solva set. Yeah. That's I, as hot as I could go. I'm not that. I'm not as good as TJ. I, I, I it would melt everywhere. I did test the theory. And failed miserably. <laughs> 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 We're going to call you the professor from now on. You're going to be the professor. Yeah. I, I won't. Uh, I and won't do that again. I, think, I get. I bet that that would jack my mule all yeah, up, man. Yeah, I tried to here. We'll put some testers extra thin. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I'd have a melted pile of goo. Yeah, you know. It, I, but uh, in all fairness, TJ was like he totally admits that this is a, his last nuclear yeah. sort of effort. Um, it, you know it, but it's very, very, very sparingly, very thin on a stubborn on a stubborn area of a decal, and you know. Yeah, but that's man, if you have you have the skills to do that, which TJ definitely does. I don't think I could do it. I no, I, I feel like I, I totally know I can't. Dork it I up. tried. <laughs> so. Oh well, I, I'm anxious to try that new. I'll have to order a a bottle of that new super strong yeah, decal solution. I haven't even had a chance to uh, to yeah. test it out yet. Uh, I get the mule out and an yeah. old decal and put it well, on there and see what when happens. You do, yeah, when you do, let us know. Yeah. 
what how it works because I heard I've heard really good things about it. And then uh, the other new thing that I heard was that uh, our favorite, um, most awesome decal con- company ever, uh, Furball, um, is coming out with a, a Dauntless sheet, forty eight scale. Which that's um, gonna be really cool. That'll be awesome. It'll be really cool. Um, he's also just repopped a whole bunch of older uh, decal sheets. He's re- he's reprinted a, a ton of them. So hop on the the Furball website because a lot of his stuff that had sold out previously. Um, he's got them back in stock. So, so get them while you can, because, you know, it's rare that, that he, he reprints stuff. So, and of course, I think we all know the freaking fur balls, like they just don't get any better than that. Going back to that SBD sheet real quick. He's yep. even got two of the, uh, army options too, because the army flew it as well. I forgot what they called it. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. The what? A24. Yeah, Banshee. that's right. Banshee. Banshee. Yep. He even has like Sweet. a couple of options for those. Cool man. Um, any other uh, any other new model crap you guys have heard of? Anything? Not heard of, but I mean, I I picked up um, Ravel re released the F eighty four with the Thunderbird markings, and I kind of uh, bought that off the hip the other day. Yeah, did you I, see I was, the logo? Yeah, Shh. man, it looks cool. Um, yeah. yeah, they went. They have the old school logo back. That was kind of nice. Damn it! Th- that's a box I'll I'll keep. <laughs> yeah, because the artwork on it's nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but any, any, you know, I was in Hobby Lobby, and I was I think I was I forget what I went in there for exactly. And how much you pay for it? It was in there. Well, they had the forty percent off model kit things there going, go. so it cost seventeen bucks. Wow, free. free. That's, that's free. Free, and you know, I I have an F eighty four T birds on my shelf that I used the old Warbird yeah uh, decals for, and then the Warbird decals worked out pretty decently. Uh, so that was my whole reason for buying the thing. It was like, man, cool demo team stuff. I wanted yeah. to see the decal sheet. Um, Good at, deal, at, man. at the NAS, the Ravel folks didn't have the decal sheets ready yet, so uh, they didn't have them on the show. Okay. And, uh, so that's, if, if I had to say anything, that's why I bought it, because I just, man, I just got to see what these decals look like. And they look <laughs> cool. pretty decent. Oh, well, that's what I going to say, how they compare. Uh, I, I'd say they, well, obviously haven't used them yet, but I mean, just looking at them on the paper, they look like they're, you know, really nicely printed, uh, good color. The, the, the detail is sharper on the Ravel sheet than on the uh, Warbird sheet, as far as like, you know, the Thunderbirds, you get your little flag panel, and then of course the Th- Thunderbird logo. Uh, you know, it's more crisp. Um, cool. The white is done as a decal, which I was kind of like, eh. When it comes to Thunderbird jets, I like to just paint the white. Yeah. Um, vice using a decal, uh, but whatever, man, we'll roll with it. See how it comes out. Sweet. Good deal, man. Yeah. So. Um Darren, do you pick up anything new? Well, the, Mail call uh, or anything? No, the Tamiya, uh, extra strong. Gotcha. I uh, got that. And I did get some uh, Tamiya uh, decal adhesive as well. Gotcha. Same same folks. Cool, uh, man. Over there. Yeah, I got that from Taiwan, actually, on eBay. Is that same place you uh, ordered yours? Yep. I also yeah. got to order up some more uh, Gunsy. I know I'm a little short on a couple colors. I was, cool, man. I, I was shocked. It went like four weeks, three and a half, four weeks, I got it, you know. So that was pretty impressive. Cool. It was actually came pretty quick, but cool, man. Phil, how about you, man? Did you get anything? Uh, yeah, actually, I kind of got on the model kit graveyard on a uh, Facebook. Yeah, and as everybody knows, I got a soft spot for the old monogram kits with the cool painted box art. Yeah, and I went and picked up another one of the F four U fours that I just tossed last time for some whatever reason. I don't know why. 
but you can only do it with the canopy closed and yeah. And those kits were always fond. I always have fond memories of building those as a kid. And now that my skills have improved a little bit, I want to redo them. And so I want to try and get all of those ones done in that series. And so I picked up the Corsair and I also got the P51D because I like the Detroit Mist markings. Yep. And I've also got a uh, Car- Carago, Carago or a Carago, the ones who. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cagero? Cagero. Cagero? Yeah. yeah, with a K. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I got their aftermarket sheet for Detroit Miss. And so. Cool. I just got because I liked it. And I, I just love those monogram kits. Yep. They're awesome. And actually, those older, I mean, you know, yeah, they're raised panel lines, but they're they're not bad at all. I mean, the only reason why I finished my March Madness build last year, uh, shit, I mean, I, I built that one P47 in three days. You know, it was yeah, a they go quick. Man. I mean, it's just really quick, so it's cool. And um, good deal, man. I also picked up the Fighter Town decals for oh, extremely that, adversarial. Yeah. yeah, that's a nice. Set. So I picked that sheet up as well. And then while I was doing that, I went ahead and our buddy Gabe. We had discussion a while back when the um, Edward Zero Type Twenty One came out. Yep. And I was like, oh man, too bad they don't give you the option to fold the wings because the the Type Twenty One carrier base one was one that had the wingtip that folded. Yeah. And if you go back to the movie, uh, was it Tora Tora Tora? I think, or maybe Midway. They in the movie they actually they uh, advertise that. Oh, got new folding wingtips, you know. And so Gabe and I were talking. He's like, "Yeah, I think it's going to come out as a Brazen set later on." And sure enough, they came out. So I went ahead and ordered two of those. Cool. So I got those coming. Good deal, man. And anything else? No, that was it. That's it. I feel like what a didn't I buy something and I was like, Frill, damn it. I thought, oh, I, yeah. I, I can't remember. What did I buy? I can't uh, remember. I'll, I'll think about it later. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> if, if, if anybody knows us, what we do is anytime we, we buy a kit or we spend a, buy a whole bunch of kits or whatever, I'll text the group and I'll say, dang it, Frill. You know, we always are just buying a whole bunch of new crap. So I, I did that here. That's how bad it is. Whenever you're buying crap, you have you can't remember. And the yeah. box shows up, and it's a big surprise to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what was this? that though? I don't know. I remember. If too, you remember, yeah. tell me what. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. Anyway, that's funny. Cool, man. Well, it sounds like we got we got a little bit of we got some good stuff. I, I, again, I'll be I'll be real anxious to see how that super strong uh, works out. But um, cool, man. All right, moving on to uh, just give a quick some quick little shout outs for some upcoming shows and uh, contests. Again, just want to thank everybody um, for that uh, Old Dominion Open uh, in Richmond. Just uh, you know the, that last weekend there in February, it was awesome. Um, really good time. I think, uh, of course, great to see everybody. We hadn't seen a lot of folks in a while. Um, so it was great to see um, some of the usual suspects um, at the show. Um, we also had an opportunity to sit down with um, Frank Blanton um, from Amp Central Virginia. Did a great interview with him. Um, in fact, um, Darren, um, why don't we go ahead and, and roll with that interview right now? All right, we are recording. And, of course, Darren will edit out all our screw-ups anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, that's what we do. We put him to work. Awesome. All right, gang, so we're down here at the... Uh IPMS Richmond Old the Dominion ODO the Old Dominion Open um, good to be back good to have shows back 
Good to be on site here. The sound might be a little, you know, we're in a cavernous uh, hall here, of course, so it's not the best for recording and all that kind of stuff, but that's fine. Uh, but one of the guys that we're sitting down and talking to that I was looking forward to meet, this is uh, Mr. Frank Blanton, and he's, uh, tell us about yourself, Frank. You're heading up the AMPS. Um, international AMPS show. International show coming yeah. up in April down in Newport News, April 7th to the 9th, being held at the Marriott. At City Center, um, you want you want to talk talk to us about that show? Yeah, first of all, I'd like to welcome the Model Geeks to Richmond, Virginia. Uh, the Old Dominion Open has been a show going now for well over twenty five years. It's one of the largest shows on the East Coast. One day event usually draws anywhere to six to seven hundred models. It's grown that big. I know. I was talking to Whitey one time when we first. I think our first time was 2008. We came to the ODO for the. We both got stationed over at Pax River, and over the years, well, we've gone every year except for last year, of course. And the show has just grown exponentially. Like every year, it's gotten bigger and bigger. And I, I think that in a year or two, they're going to look for another venue to be able to fit it all. Yeah, I, I I think one reason why it's grown so big, it's one of the first shows of the season, and people are itching to get out. People are really itching to get out now, as you can imagine. The show's been postponed two years in a row. Yeah, we've always thought about it as the uh, kickoff, kickoff yeah. right here, this yeah, show. Absolutely. So and welcome to Richmond. This is the first time they've done a, a, a podcast here on the show, so that's great. This is one of the podcasts that I listen to. Always, it's in my podcast queue along with uh, the Adam Carolla show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rogan podcast. Yep. Yep. Uh, and he's got us in his lineup right below Joe Rogan. So that's pretty damn. Yeah, good. That's pretty good. I mean, I mean, it's tough to top Joe Rogan. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know? and to be a number two, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You guys are great. So, moving on to the Amps International show, April seventh through the ninth in City Center in Newport News at the Marriott. Uh, the show will be open. Hours will be 5 to 7 on Thursday, 9 to 6 on Friday, and 9 to 3 on Saturday. Right now, they have a limit on entries of five models. Uh, That is actually under review right now. That may change. So uh, I would say check the AMPS website often to see if if that number is going to be raised. It's going to be based on registrations. Also, I would encourage everybody to get involved the uh one of the keys to uh amp shows is getting involved in the judging sitting with a bunch of strangers looking at models you meet people you make new friends and you'll learn a lot you'll learn a lot about modeling now let me ask you the uh five to seven or the five model limit what is a typical uh amp show what do you see usually someone coming and enter Usually five sounds like a lot to me when right, it comes to armor. Right. I mean, but uh, I have seen people come in with a dozen models. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, I would say the average would be somewhere between five to 10 models. Wow. Okay. You know, um, for a typical amp show, a total model count for the entire show, they usually will go between 500 to 800 models on display for wow. the show during the course of the That's show. That's a lot. That's impressive, yeah. And and I got to say, the level of talent up there every year gets more and more, and it's just, it's it's amazing. And the creativity that people bring, it's, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Yeah, you know, there's a reason I don't build armor. Yeah, you do? You build? Because when I look at that table over there, 
I don't know. I don't even know where you would begin judging wise. There's nothing I yeah. can just throw out. Uh, yeah, you know, from a judging perspective, I look at that table and I'm like, okay, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, they they have a very succinct way of judging. Of uh, you, you go through each uh, individual category as you judge, and you look at the construction of the vehicle, and you move on through the various phases. Yeah, it makes yeah. it a lot easier. So, you know, the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at one a bite time. One bite at a time. Yep. Yeah, and that's how you do it with judging. And you know, the great thing about our hobby is it is—it's a hard hobby for soft men. We are <laughs> on it every day. Well, so, that—that's one of the reasons what I—I'm interested in getting down there to the Amps National is because I've never been to an Amps exclusive show, and I really—I'm interested in seeing uh, how how they how it's conducted, and, and I'd love to de- definitely. I don't know, shadow with the judges just to see how that whole process works. That's certainly possible. David Vickers is the head judge for AMPS. Um, he's quite an accomplished modeler himself. He's also one of the directors at the uh, National Marine Corps Museum at Quantico. Okay, geez. Um, he also did the large Stewart tank that's on the AMPS display table today. I got to go get up yeah, there. Get well, I haven't taken a lap in the pattern yet yeah, at, the, yep. at the contest room, so I need to do that. Yeah, I think it's it. I, I know you know being an aircraft modeler, it, it's it's really intimidating. When we started talking about doing tanks or doing something else, and then somebody I can't remember why I just was like, well, I'm just going to try to build one and use kind of the same techniques. It's so much fun. I mean, it, you know, it it's it's more enjoyable. I don't know, it's more more enjoyable than building an aircraft because I'm not sweating stuff. Probably because I just don't know. So one one of our amps members, uh, he also builds aircraft. And last night at our club meeting, he brought in a 148 scale Academy F4 Phantom. I think this is a recent. Yeah, uh, it's fairly recent. Yeah, in the last ten years. And we were looking at the decal instructions, and the the sheet of decals is some six to eight inches long. With yeah. all of the stenciling, and oh, we're yeah. like, oh, heck no, man, no way. <laughs> the phantoms so, are famous for I that. I love stenciling. Yeah. Right, oh, right. It's my yeah. favorite part. Yeah, Whitey loves the decal process. I, <laughs> as long as they're decent decals, then it's not that bad. Well, there is someone out there that does them in big chunks. So now, like, for a phantom, it's got all those stencils. Yeah, that makes life a little it easier. it makes it where they're all, like, the inner part of the left wing will be stenciled. You just got to line the hole. But then you got a lot of decal film, which you got to make sure mm-hmm. it doesn't silver on you. Oh yeah, it's 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 something. But I think I think you know armor wise, we've all started to dabble. I know Frill, Whitey, myself, yeah, I dabble. Yeah, we've I'm, all started to so, just touch the water a little bit, and it's fun. I mean, it's yeah. maybe like I said, is it because we don't know what we're doing? So maybe an armor guy is going to look at it and be like, <laughs> "What the hell? You put that on this particular?" Yeah, you know. But it's having fun. You know, I, definitely I enjoy that it. crossover, and there's a lot of disciplines that I think are the so same. now. Can you guys give us a brief like rundown of the different? Because it's like different levels, right? It's like a beginner, an intermediate, and like a master exactly. is what you guys is the amp systems based on. Exactly. So that's left up to the modeler to put them where okay. they think their skill levels are. So you have basic, intermediate, advanced. So is there criteria for that? Like you guys have like for the beginner, it's this, and then. Yeah, the judges will will look at the sheet, and if if somebody comes in as a beginner or somebody enters as an advanced, uh, you know, the models are looked at uh, basically from the same standpoint. You start with construction, but, you know, if someone's an advanced modeler, you're looking to see if they've done other things. They've done some add-ons. They've uh, stepped out of that, I don't want to say out-of-the-box mentality, but they've, you know... 
gone deeper into the hobby. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and those things are looked for. Okay. So now I heard, uh, is it true that like if you say you go to the show and you enter the beginner and you win, you place in that category, now you are excluded from going back to the beginner? Correct. You can only go Correct. up, right? Yeah, you can, you can only, only go up okay. and you move up. And, you know, part of that experience, too, is getting involved and sitting at a judging table and doing a shift or two of judging because you will learn a lot. You will make new friends and you get a free T-shirt. There you go. Hey, I like free. I like free. <laughs> uh, the other aspect of the AMP show that is, is definitely worth mentioning is the vendor room. Um at some point, maybe you can edit in some angelic sound effects, but that vendor room oh, yeah. is insane. <laughs> it really is. It is the largest armor modeling hobby shop in the world for three days. And it's, Man, it's I'm going. It's yeah, I've been wanting to check yeah. out an amp show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, to see what all the hubbub's about. Going back to the upcoming show, the uh, Thursday night, 5 to 7, it's open. What's going on then? Is that folks just early registering? Or? Folks coming in and registering. We encourage everybody to register online. That's going to yes. be the quickest okay. way to do it. But we have some folks that show up and, and want to you know, register in person, bring their models in, fill their forms out. So a lot yeah. of that activity is taking place. Now, one thing that people, I think, need to understand with an AMP show the models aren't out on the tables right away for viewing. They are registered and are handed off to the uh, ramrods who then will take the models and put them in a storage area where the models will get judged first. Then they'll get taken out. Oh, ah, that's interesting. Okay. So, you know, you get there Thursday and the tables are empty in the viewing area, but they'll start to populate Thursday night, Friday and Saturday. So, so judging starts immediately then? Yep. Judging, there, there okay. will be one or two shifts on Thursday night for judging uh, that will go uh, well into the evening. And, you know, the judges, each table, we try to have four tables going. We've had as many as six with four judges at each table. Oh, okay. So you have a table captain who keeps the guys on point with the score sheet. And they try to, a, a table tries to judge in a two-hour shift eight to ten models in a two-hour shift. In two hours. So in mm -hmm. two hours, you're doing eight to ten models. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're getting looked at. And the 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 biggest thing about amps that, that I find that it works best for me is you get feedback. You get a score sheet, and yep. all four judges are encouraged to write comments. So you get some constructive feedback, and those sheets are given back to you at the end of the show. So you can look on there, read those comments, and see what you need to do to improve your modeling overall. I love the sound of that. And, yeah, you know definitely. that's something that we, with our upcoming show, we've you know starting our preliminary planning, and and when it comes to judging, we still haven't nailed down the style of judging we want to do. But feedback is definitely at the top of the list, regardless, is because models are always asking for that. You know, when you post NATs, IPMS NATs, you always see people grumbling about yep. why, why, you know, and not just grumbling, but also, you know, I don't want to sound negative, but, um, you know, you have, regardless of whether you do well or not, you want feedback because that's how you improve. Absolutely. Well, it's like writing a paper in college or in high school. You know, they tell you have someone else look at because you could look at it 30 times. And not catch something, and someone else. I give it to you, Frank. You yeah. look at it like, oh, hey, dummy, man, you misspelled your name. Like, oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> you know. And, yeah. So even in our club, 
our local amps club here in Richmond, Virginia, we have uh, at our meetings, our amps group, our meetings are built around the demonstration. So when we have cool. a meeting, we have a member or a guest speaker come in or somebody come in and uh, we'll do a demonstration on a modeling task or a modeling product or tools, whatever. So when you come to one of our meetings, you're going to learn something. That's, that's cool. Our meeting structure is built around a demonstration. We have a 10, 15 minutes worth of business, what's going on in our region and the hobby. And then it's a demo presentation. We also do what's called the 30.5 challenge. So a 30.5 in amps is the highest score you can get. You get a half a point for your research bonus. So if you have the right documentation, that's always a plus. And that half point can take you from a silver to a gold. Nice. In a lot of cases. Now, the 30.5 challenge is guys will bring their models in at a club meeting. We'll set up four guys. We'll set up a judging table, and we'll critique that person's model before it goes out to any show. And uh, they took one of my models last night, oh. and uh, they they went through it. And I have, a, I have a list of about seven or eight things I need to do to tighten up. I'm 56. I've been building models since I was eight years old. I I need help. Yeah, I think that's something we've talked about where you never stop learning. Yeah. You know, never stop learning. I mean, we've all competed at Nats and whatnot, but I learn something from these guys all the time. And we have our, a pretty tight group of people that we are, we're, we're constantly sort of pushing each other and trying new things. And it's also a great group where we all have thick skin and, and we look, we have no issues with folks telling us, you know, hey, fix this or hey why don't you do it this way or really it's problem solving like having a group is that problem solving aspect it it sounds to me like amps coming into amps you um be having your work critiqued and i don't even want to say the word critique because that has negative connotations too but when you when you decide okay i'm a i'm an armor model i want to be part of amps you you expect to have your stuff looked over and quote Mm -hmm. judged Mm -hmm. as part of the culture uh, whereas I think I'm just trying to think what it would look like if we did that at one of our club meetings, like the, the amount of, you, you know, you, uh, yeah, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. You don't, man. No. Nope. But, and I, but I think if you're coming in the door, uh, already, already, um, expecting that, then, then that's, yeah. then that's acceptable, I guess. Or you, you're taking that well, on. Well, I think if you enter a show, you should expect. Sure. Yeah. Feedback, yeah. you know, and good or bad. You can't, you know, I don't especially early it. on. You know, when yes, you're first exactly. learning, when you're, when, you know, when you're learning. Yeah. I mean, you gotta. I mean, that's part of the, the thing with it is you gotta be mature enough yourself that, like, if you're going to put that out there, just knowing that it's going to be judged and you're going to hear feedback, whether you're, you know, yep. you want to yeah. hear it or not. And when you get it, now there's ways when people, you know, there's I think constructive feedback Absolutely. and constructive criticism. You know, you want to just not say something's wrong and not offer any solutions or advice to the, you know, that individual. You want to like, hey, next time I would do this, you know, or hey, try this now or don't go so heavy on this. Now you want to at least provide some kind of avenue for that person to like, they may not know what they're doing wrong. That may be how they think it's supposed to be done. Absolutely. And they don't ever get told, you know, no, hey, man, it needs to be done this way. And you're like, oh, they, and, you, and you made a new friend in the process, too, you know. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's, that's the key is uh, you're, mo- you're a model builder looking at other model builder stuff. You got to put that wording 
what do you what kind of feedback do you want to get and uh if somebody's gonna tear my model up i want to see their model it, let me look at that yeah you know it's yeah. funny yeah, you say that street it is because you'll hear that where someone's like oh man you did this or hey you would have got first but you use an intake cover and you're like oh really well where's yours oh i, I don't i don't build I, I don't enter contest <laughs> oh well why is that you know right yeah right yeah I, you know it's funny because i think uh going back to why we do the podcast it's really to try and grow the hobby and and be there to folks that want to expand their skill level and have folks, because I mean, again, I think we all go back to, we're all still looking to improve me and every model that I work on, whether it's a tank or a plate, whatever, it doesn't matter. I always feel like, you know, I, I, I'm open to improving and, uh, you know, especially for us being mainly aircraft guys, um, but but armor's freaking awesome, man. It's it's and and I, we Whitey and I've talked about the whole judging and how they judge and you know. Um, sorry for continuing on, but 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 looking at how amps does it is kind of what we're thinking because um, there are a lot of times we see a, a model on a contest where it's first, second, third that deserves they does absolutely deserve sure. an award and they're not getting anything because of some because you're only giving out first, second, third, or whatever. right. Right, and I've been there, but I'll I'll say that the great thing about amps is not only do you get feedback, uh, good work gets recognized. Um, a lot of guys get recognition for what they do, for what they've put their heart into, and that in itself is is worthwhile. And I, for me personally, I prefer that system a whole lot. Yeah, a whole lot more. You know, and too, that criticism is like a two way street too. I mean. If you put it out there, you put your model out there, it's, you know, especially in a contest, they're going to judge it. You know, that's what it's there for, you know, not to be judgmental, but yeah, that's what it is. You are being judged Mm -hmm. and you have to be at the same time. That individual has to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Not take it personal. Correct. You know, they just, and that's, uh, with today's climate, it's kind of hard. Yeah, it can be a challenge, but I think if you take the time to write your comments down, if you look at someone's model, you know, you got to judge what's put in front of you. Even if it's even if it's somebody that does something out of the box, you got to how well did that person model that out of the box? And that's the key. How well did they perform something? You can't go, well, you I would have done it this way, so you should do it this way. That's not the way to judge that. Well, yeah, the way to right, judge it yeah. is to look at it and judge it on its own merit um, and what was done right. I would also say on your comments, find a way to, uh, if you're going to take a half a point for something or if there was, say, an inconsistency in the weathering, take the time to write on, on the comment form what yeah. you addressed and why you did that. You know, yeah, yeah. So. so now, do you guys find that that adds to the? I know that's a big drawback to it. Oh, it just makes judging last longer. Do you guys find that it makes judging last longer, or is that always how it's been? So that is the standard. Well, I mean, I guess it does make it last a little bit longer, but but it's continuous it's, though. It's as you said, it's coming in the door and being judged. And that's true, exactly. Yeah, that's true. So we have runners who you know gingerly move the models out onto the show floor where they can be viewed and photographed. But that is the core of the show, and that's the reason why we're all there, because we want to put our models in that space, let them get looked at by our peers, and then put out there on display. So 
it may take a little bit longer, but it's worth it because of, you know, the feedback you get. The last, oh, absolutely. The last thing I'll mention is uh, at the AMP shows, there's always great seminars. There's folks doing presentations on actual vehicles or conflicts. There's also modeling demonstrations, product demonstrations. So that's another big part of the show. And in closing, I would just like to say that the facility that uh, we found, the show chair, Ashley Abernathy, uh, we have found a fantastic venue with exceptional lighting. When you guys go into the show area and see the lighting, it will blow you away. Sweet. It's amazing. That's that's key with the model show. Yes, it is. Got to have good lighting. much so. So it won't be like Fairfax where... You know, you got to have your pen lights out and just to put some light on something. Just kidding. Right. Well, the amps, the, the judging area now, that's also well lit, but there's also lamps on the tables and the models are placed on a Lazy Susan. Uh, so oh, that's that's cool. very well lit. And that area is actually separate from the public area where everybody can wow. view that. Wow. Okay. That's so, good. You know, cool. That's always really good. The facility, the uh, uh, Marriott City Center in Newport News, there's restaurants within walking distance all around the place. Uh, so there's you park your car and leave it for three days, uh, other than to go fill it full of prizes and treasures from <laughs> the vendor go. room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be a really good time. All right. We're looking forward to it. We're going to get... Yeah, definitely. Look forward to yeah, kind of we'll be it there. Out. Yeah, and just real quick, what um, club do you belong to here locally? Are you, you're local in this. Yeah, region so this night? is the Amp Central Virginia Club. We will okay. be the host uh, chapter for the show this year. Okay, and uh, we've we're one of the I think the third uh, local chapter to form after Amps had reorganized from a former model club in the '90s. We were I think the third chapter to form. Okay, so we've been going at it pretty good. We started meeting at my house. I was a bachelor at the time on Friday nights. Had a bunch of model guys in the house for meetings until we finally found a location. Now we meet at a local VFW, and we've partnered with this VFW. And we think we have a really unique setup with this VFW. So they don't charge us to meet once a month. What we do is we have a sweat equity program with them. Twice a year we come in. If they need painting done, we've shampooed oh, carpets. Cool. Yep. We painted an M60 tank that's on display there. We've painted a Nike missile that was on display. One-to-one one VFW. We've done all kinds of odd jobs for them to sort of pay our rent. And that might be a good model for other clubs if they're looking for a place to And, and where is that located? Uh, the VFW is uh, located in Glen Allen, Virginia. And you meet when? Do you want to? Our, our meetings are uh, Friday night, once a month, okay. uh, the last Friday of the month. Excellent. Cool. All right. Well, Frank, thanks for sitting down and speaking with us. And, yeah, uh, thanks. I can't think of a better way to hang out on my workbench than to sit and listen to modeling podcasts. I mean, <laughs> it's such a great medium that has emerged here lately, and it's it's brought a lot of people together, and it's brought the community together, and it's a positive thing. We, well, we just that. dropped, what, 29 yesterday, right? Episode 28. 28, sorry. I'm almost episode ahead. This will be in episode 29, however. So we'll get you in the next episode here, Frank, uh, with this. And we'll uh, also continue to plug the show, uh, the AMPS International Convention, uh, leading right on up to it in April. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Nice to meet you, Frank. Thank you. you. All right, cool. All right, again, uh, huge, huge thanks to to Frank uh, for sitting down with us. It was great to talk to you. 
and uh, look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, we can make that um, the Amps show there in uh, Newport News. It's uh, we're starting to get tight um, with uh, with Model Geeks time <laughs> with families and the summer coming up and trying to work and and go to different shows. Uh, we're going to do our best to hit as many shows as we, as we can. Um, I think we're going to try to make the next show, which is in uh, April, which is on April second. That's the Mosquito Con um, show in Wayne, New Jersey. We were there last year. It was a great show. Um, we'll, we're going to try to make it. I just don't know if if time's going to allow us to make it. But I think for sure we're all planning on going to the Model Classic there in Fairfax on the sixteenth of April. I think we're all uh, going to be able to make that one. And then, of course, um, just still pushing in the plug for, for Nationals. We'll definitely be there for Nats um, in Omaha. That's the 20th through the 23rd of July. Um, lots of uh, rooms have sold out. Tons and tons and tons of vendor tables. Um, but please, please register early. Um, it really makes a big difference and speeds up the process if you guys can register early. So... So do that. It's going to be a good time, too. It's going to be an awesome freaking time. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to head down for that AMPS show uh, yeah. at least one day. I, I got to check out on AMPS show. Yeah. And, see what this is all about. And, and uh, why do you, when, when is the, I, I'm sorry, just when was the, you can go, what were the dates again? You guys April know? 7th through the 9th. 7th through the yeah. 9th. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I think we, why don't we, we can all, I think I should be able to, to go down there. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can make some of the shows. Nats to the man. Looking forward to the night at the museum thing. And, That's uh, going to be a blast. Y'all have fun with that. I got an email from uh, <laughs> Mike the other day. Yeah. From Model Mojo, and he yeah. definitely wants us coming by the the Mojo Dojo, <laughs> which I can never <laughs> say with a straight face. <laughs> Come by the Mojo Dojo for a few beers. I got a, uh, it's you know, funny. That's so awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and we'll be the geeks will be there. So please come by and say hi to us. We love we love talking to folks and and meeting with people. You know, that, you know that was a good time. Like at the last Nats when you bet when the podcast, we kind of had a chance to have a break. You know, we we had breakfast that morning, and it was cool to to get to know those other guys. You know, and and they've all become pretty good friends with us. And it was yeah. a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been. It, it's there's just so much in common that we have it's just like you feel like you're sort of like long lost brothers you know it's so much in common it's it's really it's pretty cool and then we'll we're gonna have uh, not only will we have our table um of course we don't know the location just yet but we'll we'll push that out as soon as we know where we're going to be located and then uh, i think we've uh, signed up for a demo um so we'll be demoing uh actually painting um, Whitey's point to me looks like I'm going to be demoing um, how to do uh, modern U.S. Navy paint schemes, which is um, funny. That's what the topic is today. So it'll a little it, precursor, it'll, little yeah, yeah, warm up, yeah, a little warm up, a little warm up. But it'll be fun. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll have the old airbrush out and I'll be spraying my my favorite, um, slinging my favorite paint, Gunsy Aqueous. I'll show you guys how we how I do it. Wouldn't it be is, cool if Gunsy showed up as man, you know, vendor and. God. Get them up there and be broke. Give you free paint. It'd be great. (laughs) Oh my goodness! That's take whatever you want. Sounds like uh, win the lottery, get free Gunsy Aqueous. Oh man, I'll take the Aqueous. 
real quick, I want to circle back to yeah, the, uh, the table. Uh, I did uh, talk to Gordon at Sprue Brothers, yep. and he has secured us a table right next to their display. Sweet. Now, the map, Drew, is not out yet. Yeah, so yeah. we don't know where. Uh, yeah, we but, just know it's just outside of the uh, vendor room. So Sweet. That's a good place to be. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That'll so we'll be, be sitting right right alongside Sprue Brothers there. Awesome. That that's um that that's great to hear. Um holy crap, man, that's cool. Cool. All right. Well, please again come by and say hi to us at Nats. We love meeting with people and talking to them. In fact, that's the whole reason why we do this. It's just it's just so much fun to be able to meet people and, and talk models and stuff and and um really appreciate folks listening to us and because uh, we really are just four old crusty navy dudes <laughs> it's all good awesome well um we'll move on so uh just real quick uh darren um uh, why don't you give us a quick uh plug for the geeks patreon page uh i want to start though by saying that our supporters over this past year have been nothing short of amazing it's been those supporters that have truly made this podcast possible and all four of us thank you if you, uh, the new listener or listeners out there, are interested in supporting, then there are two different ways that you can support. The first is by doing a one-time donation. You can do that by simply clicking the heart icon in the top right-hand corner of our webpage. By clicking that icon, you will be taken to our PayPal Me page where you can make your donation. It's that simple. The second way is by visiting our Patreon page. There you can donate as little as $1 a month. And I want you to know that any contribution helps to offset the production of the cost, and it is greatly appreciated. I also want to take a second to remind everyone out there that there are other scale modeling podcasts out there for your listening enjoyment. And a list of those podcasts can be found at www.modelpodcast.com. I'll put that link in the show notes so you can all find it. Once again, I want to say thanks for downloading and listening, and most importantly, thank you for your support. So Let's move on. Just real quick, sometimes we have some hobby shop shout-outs, sometimes we don't, but um, Jorge Vila um, from California sent in a couple. So one of them, of course, is pretty famous, uh, Brookhurst there in Garden Grove. That's probably one of the best hobby shops I've ever been to. So if, if do yourself a favor, if you're near the LA shit, even if you're in like San Diego, it is worth the drive to Brookhurst. It's, it is just, it's just awesome. Um, another good one is Pegasus hobbies and that's in Upland, California. I've never been there, but I've heard that Pegasus is really, really good. So again, you guys have any hobby shops you want us to shoot out? Um, just, just email us and, uh, more than happy to, to give them the shout out. Cool. All right. Um, next, we got the tool and tip of the week. So I saw some, uh, we've talked about this one before, and I'm talking about the Mr. Hobby jar opener. It's this yellow looking handle deal with a blue, really soft, like um, plastic uh, cup that you fit the, the fit the jar in. And I, it'll, it'll open to me, a jars, it'll open, um, Gunsy jars. It'll open Mr. Color jars. It, it is, I'm telling you, it is the best little tool that I have on my tool bench and you can get them on eBay. You can order them. All you have to type in is just Mr. Hobby, um, jar opener and it'll come up and they're, it's super cheap. It's, I don't know. They're probably like 
eight bucks, ten bucks, or something like that. And it's really, it's really um, an absolutely fantastic um, tool because it works on Tamiya bottles too. It does. It does, and it, it does. also, if you flip it over, it has a slit in the For Mr. middle color. of it. For Mr. Color, the old ones that had the little tab on top, you can put it in there. And- yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so it's Tamiya, anything Gunsy, Mr. Hobby. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I'll, it's just fantastic. I love that little tool. And it's cheap. So anyway, go get one. All right. Um, moving right along here, folks. We're already at mail call. Mail call. And so got a couple of good ones. Uh, this last, really, it's only been a week, but we've got a couple good ones. So I'll start off, um, with the first one from Craig Jones, Craig, I'm praying for you, brother. Craig is starting the Kitty Hawk F35 Charlie. What? Yes. You know what? I'm going to do one this year. I'll be with you. I'll be there with you, Craig. Stand by. No, you're not. Yeah, I will. Mark my words. Justin's already tried to put that kit together and he said, no, not happening. I'm going to do it. Not happening. It, it, it's too much. It's too much effort. But Craig, we wish you the best. We wish you the best. It's buildable. There's some out there on the tables. So, I, I have not seen an F35C though. I have never seen a Charlie. I've yeah. seen the. I've seen the Ming at the Kitty Hawk displays. They've they've got one at the shows. Like, well, that's true. I yeah. mean, I guess. Um, I am I, going to do that sucker. Are you really? Yeah, I am. All right. All right. Mark all right. my words. Okay, Frill says. There you go. We we all heard it, and everybody out in it's podcast. It's been gaveled. It's been. It's gaveled. Yes. Frill is going to build the F-35, the Kitty Hawk F-35 Charlie. I am. This year. I uh, disagree with that one, but it's okay. Let's see what happens. Um, okay, but his question is, back to the question at hand here, folks. He's asking how to paint it, and that's that's a pretty good question. Um I would suggest, and because it's 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 kind of a the new the it's a new kind of TPS type scheme, right? But MRP's got some have glass paint, and SMS has some have glass paint, and I because it's got that metallic kind of sheen to it. So there's a number of different ways I think you could go about it. My suggestion would be grab a paint mule, yeah, don't man. start it on the kit, start it on the mule, and try out if you can get a hold of the MRP paint. You might have to darken it up a little bit, though. I think those F thirty five, the Charlies, like they, I've I've seen them after a couple of deployments. Man, they're they're pretty beat up. Well, the uh, MRP is a two part thing. It has a, I don't know what number it is, but it's a uh, camouflage gray, is what they call it. Okay. And on the bottle, it says use with uh, MRP, blah blah blah, have glass finish, and you clearly can't tell in the picture, but our Musaru cup entry, that was how I painted. Ours is I use the camouflage gray, which is the darker gray. Yeah. And I did a uh, light ghost gray that I lightened a little bit to kind of keep in theme with what was on the box. Yeah. Yeah. And then I shot the whole thing with that have glass finish. And you can see the metallic sheen to it, which I think looks pretty cool. Cool, man. Yeah. I think if you can, I, I think the MRP paints. I think didn't Nelson use those on his F twenty two? No, or what did Nelson he use? used the Hasegawa instructions. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Or no? Or was that Dirks? One of the two? No, it was Nelson. Oh, Nelson I did was too. Say, yeah, his yeah F- he just went straight from what the um. Because when I saw his, of course, I was like, dude, how'd you paint that? Yep. It looks perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I just went with what they said on the 
Wow. In the instructions. That's good. That's really good to know. Yeah, I've, I've got that kit. I think I paid like 30 bucks for it. So now they're like 100 But um, I'll have to look at the instructions because, you know, how I would, what I'm going to do. Eventually, I'd, I'd like to, to do an F-35. But well, Hasegawa did two of them. They also did the prototype version that has the long pitot tube. Oh, that's right. On the that's nose. right. Cool. And that's the one that's like finding hen's teeth. Like you can't find it. Wow. Well, I, back to answer his question, I would say... Also, you know, the MRP colors that, that Frill just talked about, but also SMS, um, they have their have glass paint as well. So I would give that a shot. But but the big thing is, and this is what I would do, is I, Craig, I, I just go get a mule. Get a mule and practice and try different different techniques. Try using MRP. Try SMS. Try, well, I'll, I'll try to look through the instructions and I'll, I can email them to you. Um, what Hasegawa says to use and what the mixtures are and try, you just have to try it out because some stuff may work great for you and some stuff may not. But I think that there's, again, there's a hundred ways to get from A to B here. Um, and one way may work better than another for you. Um, but just when you start trying out stuff, it's, if it's not going how you think it should go, just email us, email us and we'll help, we'll help you out and we'll see if we can fit. Cause I want to learn how to do this this coat too, because I want to do an F-16 in the half glass, all beat up from that Spangdalem birds. They are, because that, that yeah, half glass cool. paint is super rough. It's just nasty and dirty. So I'd really like to do like a 30-second scale F-16 from Spangdalem all in the half glass scheme. So. You know, too, there was an article from, uh, what aviation website was that? Uh, I can't think of it. But I guess there's been some photos floating around of the F-35 painted with a mirrored kind of finish as well, too. So it was flying around aviation. Uh, what is it called? Um, av- aviation Week in spe- Space Technology? Yes, I think I think that's I think it was that one, and there's like Aviation Enthusiast or whatever. I think it was the F-22 that was painted up like that, right? No, it was an F-35. <clears throat> huh. Yep. It may have been the Air Force F-35, but it was an F-35. I'll have to find it. Well, Darren, you're, it looks like it, you're Yeah, isn't there a something. company out there, too, that makes masks for the F- F-35, for the uh, different colors? Oh, like, yeah. For the panel, the uh, panel yep. masks, uh, yeah. which really helps a lot, too. If, yeah. I, I can't remember what the name of the company Is was. Is it DMX? Or? I don't it's a, I think it's the same company that makes the masks for the SU-27 mm. engines yep. and stuff. Yep, same yeah, I, I can't remember. Galaxy or something? I, I can't remember. I have to look that up. I'll find it. Yep. Put it on the uh, put a link on it in the show notes okay. or on the Facebook page. Cool, man. But that's a... Uh, that really helped a lot to the yeah, uh, F-35. Yeah. But Craig, just to kind of tie, uh, you know, uh, wind up the discussion here, I think there's, you know, try MRP, um, their camouflage gray, and then what was the other color that they had, Frill? It is a, it's like a clear, but okay. it has like a gold metallic flake to Got it. Got it. Okay. So try that. And then also SMS, they have, have glass paint. And then I'm going to email you um, the concoction that um, Hasegawa, their F-22, says to use. And then just play with it and see what you get and let us know um, um, the results. And if you have any questions, just shoot us to us. Shoot it to us. All right. Well, thanks for the email, man. Appreciate it. And thanks again for listening. All right. Um, next email we got was from El Presidente from Tim. Um Tim, thanks for the pics of he has this really cool portable 
like I want to say MIDI modeling studio. <laughs> In other words, it's got this, it's, it's just got everything he could possibly need, um, you know, tools and paints and supplies, uh, for working on models. Um, and, uh, it's, it's got some, he's got a really, really, it's very well, very well organized. Um, so it's super cool. So Tim, thanks again for shooting us the pictures. And of course, thank you for always supporting us. Appreciate it. The next one is from, or the last one is from, um, Jorge Avila. Again, thanks for the email. He loves the podcast. Um, you know, and definitely uh, appreciate you listening. Um, we, we, I definitely hear you with, um, he had some really, really good recommendations as far as, uh, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about, and this goes back to another email that we got from somebody talking about, um, you know, I think sometimes we forget that we're 20 year, um, naval personnel. Like we, we, we've been in the Navy for a a combined, you know, 50 something, 60 something, 80 something years, you know? (laughs) So when we start talking about things, um, we sometimes forget, not everybody knows exactly what we're talking about when it comes to, you know, acronyms or, um, particular type of equipment. And, um, you know, so we, and so to, to Jorge's, um, note, he's kind of saying, Hey guys, you know, let's, we'd really appreciate it. Put some information. And so we do have the show notes that we try to put everything now. Unfortunately, we're limited to how much we can put in there and we don't have like a transcript where, you know, it has all the detailed information, but we do try to put in the show notes, um, some of the more important items that we're talking about. Um, cause we get that, you know, a lot of times if we're talking about stuff, we may go kind of quickly, um, and there's, there's no intent at all to, um, you know, put stuff out there and not be able to sort of, you know, explain kind of what we're talking about or whatever. Um, but I think that, uh, the important thing is if, if it's not in the show notes, then feel free to email us and ask specific questions on, Hey, you guys talked about this or that, and we'll be happy to email you. Uh, and, and give you, give you the information again, appreciate the email. We'll certainly, uh, try to do our best, um, to put the, uh, information in show notes. And again, just email us if you have any questions. All right. Um, that wraps up. Um, actually I take that back. I got one more. There was, uh, uh, Devin, uh, poor, um, he sent us an email and just, he really enjoyed the Spencer Pollard episode. Um, I think, the reason why I wanted to touch on this one is because I think that's that's been one of our more popular yeah. episodes. Yeah. We have received a ton of emails and notes on people that really dug the interview with Spencer. And so, again, I just want to take a moment to thank Spencer Pollard for coming on the show because it's one of my favorite episodes, too. I Mine, mean, too. Yeah. Mine, too. Yeah. And I, I, you know what? I, I'd like to have Spencer back on sometime. Yeah, too. man. You know, she yeah, was, he, it was just great. It was the the insight that he had on just one particular small topic was just it's it's great. I mean, yeah. it's just fantastic. You know how he how he sees things and how he thinks about the hobby. Plus, he's also just such a great person, so easy to talk to, and he's a one hell of a freaking model yeah, builder. Man. Um, yeah. So so anyway, yeah. That, that's uh, Devin. We agree. That's that's one of our favorites as well. And hopefully, we can get Spencer back on. All right. Well, um, that wraps up uh, mail call. And um, again, really appreciate everybody 
uh, dropping up, dropping us a line, writing in, whether it's via the email. Again, if you want to email us, you can reach us at contact at modelgeekspodcast.com. You can always uh, throw something up on our Facebook page. Um, we're always uh, happy to, to hear from folks and, and appreciate all the listeners and appreciate um, all the mail. All right. Um, so let's, uh, we'll just, uh, I think it's time to move on for the old main topic. Um, hopefully everybody's uh, still sticking with us. If you're still sticking with us, uh, geeks, I appreciate it. Um, but I think, you know, this is, uh, I've had a couple of emails recently and I've had some folks ask me at the last show, they're like, how do how do you paint that modern U S Navy, that, that tactical paint scheme? How do you, how do you do that TPS scheme? And I'm like, well, it's, it's really, it's not that hard. I mean, when I go through, you know, what I do, um, that's just what I do, but it does, I think it works. So I will, um, I will, <laughs> I will go through an extensive, um, some extensive detail today, but then just come on out to Nats and you'll see me do it um, firsthand. So it's really not that hard. Um, but before I hop into how the actual process on how I build it, just, you know, providing some background because we've all spent time, you know, dealing with Navy aircraft and stuff. And I think, you know, those TPS schemes, you know, back with, you know, probably the early eighties, they started repainting aircraft. Um, and that overall kind of, you know, the, whether it's the, the light ghost gray, dark ghost gray kind of scheme, um, vice the, you know, the gloss, uh, gold gray and, and gloss white, uh, underneath. And then they started kind of going with the, um, you know, the sort of that, the one, six, four, 40, um, kind of scheme for a while and then slowly moved on to the, to the TPS scheme. And I, I I mean, to be honest with you, I try to do some research, but I'm not – to find out why. Like, why would they roll with um, a TPS versus the all-gloss um, uh, gray kind of scheme? So Was it low-vis? Yeah. I mean, it's – I think – You know, would it be because we started getting more into the like, what is TPS, land attack? What like, does TPS stand for? Tactical paint scheme, yeah. There you go. So I think that's when we started getting more – ground attack stuff maybe possibly yeah I, I i actually do not know the answer to this um but if anybody does like know the history and i and i i actually tried to find out <laughs> exactly what was the impetus behind switching over to a tps scheme other than uh it makes the aircraft less visible um in the air which is true um I don't, you know, it's definitely dirtier. It's probably um, not as easy to clean as an all gloss gold gray. And it could also have been just maybe the cost of the paint. It's more expensive. Well, it's also, tougher to maintain. Well, the gloss gold gray and white scheme, the white underside yeah. goes back to nukes. Yep. Yep. Reflection, keeping the blast. That is true. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that, Whitey. Um you know, so, the, so the I mean the the tactics are changing. Yeah, you're getting away from aircraft that necessarily. I mean, I'm not going to say without getting all classified. Yeah, what gets carried <laughs> nuke wise off of a boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what like Frill said, you're going into FA18s. You know, so the yeah. attack role of a carrier strike group is. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying the fighters and interceptors are not a priority, but 
let's face it, you park a, a boat in the med, it, it's there to go and drop bombs on stuff yep. somewhere. I mean, you, you think know? about when, really, when you first saw well, extensive use of the TPS scheme, and that's that's that first and second, especially the first Gulf War in yeah. 91. I mean, the A6s, A7s, Tomcats, Hornets, S3s, Prowlers, even EA6As, the H60s, all were TPS schemes. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting, too, because look at today, Hawkeyes. What color are they painted? Gloss gold gray. Yep. You know, and yep. so they stand out against the other aircraft in the air wing. But they're way, but yeah, exactly. Up there. So they're way up. Yeah. And the other guys are down low. The ones dropping bombs. You know, and yep. shooting down other airplanes. Yep. And I, you know, it's it's. I mean, I personally really love the TPS um, schemes. I I love the way they look. I love the mat. Um, sort of color. I, I love how nasty they get. I just think I just think it looks really cool. Um, but I think you know with with anything. I mean, but it, they're still using that today. I mean, the Hornets, the the Super Hornets, have got um, the TPS games on them. Um, but I and I think you know just talking about why. I mean, I think the reason why I like them and 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 why I gravitate towards. I used to build a lot of modern U.S. Navy stuff. Is is just that weathered look, the real beat up. I mean, that look after a nine month cruise, they are nasty. And I mean, I think we've talked about it before, but it's, you know, it's not just, you know, engine oils and lubrication, um, um, oils, hydraulic fluid, you know, fuel, all that grit and grime, the, the, we've all been on a flight deck before and, you know, the non-skid just slowly gets eaten up and it's just, it's just tons of grease and grime and soot and jet exhaust. Just, it, it, it sort of gets, gets stuck to some of the, to the paint schemes. And also I love that it's like, Hey, corrosion control, you know, I think we've talked about this a million times. Um, how do they touch up? Usually, typically, how are they touching up aircraft on the boat? Old 12 Charlie, the corrosion work center, is out there with a rotary sander, sanding down that corrosion. <laughs> Whitey could t- speak more of this because he's our resident airframer. Yeah, man. And then, you know, they put the anti-corrosive compound on. They grab whatever, you know, whatever primer they have, and they go to the paint locker, that plane captain or whoever, that airman, is going to the paint locker saying, hey, I need some gray paint. And the guy just gives them whatever he has close by, and he goes out there and he puts it on, and, and it's a different color. There's like some pic, like take for example, there's pictures of a Super Hornet out there with purple touch-up paint on some of the, from corrosion control because that's all they got. That was all they had. Yep, yep. I mean, and, and that's the thing. I think when it comes to replicating some of the weathering. You know, and we'll get into specifics here in a bit. But when it comes to replicating that, you really kind of can't go wrong. You know, uh, you, you can make it as clean or as dirty as you want. Um, because I've seen some out there that if I hadn't seen it up close in person, I would not have believed that that's how dirty and nasty the paint scheme was. Well, too. Nine times out of ten, before the squadron would go on deployment, the airplanes are pretty clean already because they've gone through their home cycle. You know, they get touched up wherever they do. Some of them come back from depot from, you know, extended maintenance. And so they're touched up. You know, they look a lot better. But then when they get out to that boat, you know, that's not a that's not a very nice, easy, forgiving environment out no. there either. That is. I mean, the, the the salt air, the just, you know, salt air and, and, and the sea 
I mean, for nine months, man, that is just, it's just nasty. I mean, you know, even just the, our, the boat that I grew up with that was, you know, kept, you know, down in the dock in the marina, just a little old boat. My goodness, you know, every few months, man, that just would get beat up. I can't imagine flying, you know. Well, I can't imagine because I lived it, but flying aircraft on and off ships, it's just nasty. It's a, it's a tough environment, you know? And then, too, you so. know, your plane captains and your maintainers, you know, their hands aren't clean. And they're out there, if they have gloves yeah. on, their gloves have grease and oil and they're touching things and yeah. they're just smearing that stuff all over the place. Yep. It's nasty. But that's, I mean, but that's what makes it look so freaking cool. So, um, Cool, man. Well, again, just wanted to, before we jumped into, you know, how to, how to replicate some of that pain, I think, you know, we just wanted to kind of provide a quick little background on sort of those modern uh, TPS schemes. If anybody has any further information or, or details, any questions, whatever, just shoot them to us and we can look them up or happy to have any gouge anybody wants to shoot our way. But um, I think when it comes to the actual paint colors, there's really only a few that you got to worry about. So some of the FS. And so here are the FS numbers. Uh, so we have uh, FS36270. I want to, can we back up just a little bit? I, I reached out to uh, our the most senior um, aviation maintenance officer I know. Yeah, man. El Presidente. Yeah. <laughs> El Capitan. And El Capitan. Yeah. And ask him that question about the change order because he was yeah. know, within that time from F-18s and A-7s. Well, let her rip, man. So, yeah. Uh, he, he's telling me it had to do with exactly what we discussed, and that was visibility. Gotcha. It actually started back in the 70s. So uh, he, he, he writes here that during the Top Gun establishment in the 70s, in initial classes, the Top Gun pilots easily spotted the fleet guys early because of the planes wow. that were shining, sunlighting. Our sunlight glint off uh, gave away their position and allowed the Top Gun pilots to get in better positions before the fireball started. Wow. I think he meant to say furball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyhow, he says it took a couple of years and some tests to figure out the right shades. That's why the different iterations over time. Yep. Until we got to the tactical paint scheme that we're at now awesome so. yeah and so in and speaking of the the actual tactical paint scheme numbers um there's really four that you want to kind of concern yourself with the the two main ones are just uh, dark ghost gray and light ghost gray so dark ghost gray is fs36320 and then the light ghost gray is fs36375 and most of the those are the typical colors that you're going to see the light ghost gray on the bottom, dark ghost gray on the top. Um, and those have a very matte, um, you know, look to them. Um, hardly any gloss at all. Of course, when you have fluids and whatnot, you know, that underside, like there's been some Tomcat photos that have rolled around that, I mean, they're almost look brown and just almost like that can't be real. And, my my thought is, yeah, that looks really cool on an aircraft, but trying to replicate that onto a model, I, I haven't seen it where it looks believable. I, I don't know. It's not accurate. That's not yeah. the right word. It just doesn't look, it looks, I don't know, weird. Yeah. I You know, I, so that's a great debate, all this weathering on sure, these, yeah. uh, tactical paint schemes. And, and they do get nasty. Oh, yeah. That beyond a shadow of a doubt. But some of the extreme stuff that I've seen, does it happen? Yeah, absolutely it does. I'm not yep. going to sit here and say it doesn't, but it's the exception, not the rule. 
right? So folks, especially modelers out there, will find that one dirty ass picture. Yeah. And that's it. No, yeah. No, that's not, that's an exception. It, yeah. They weren't always all like that. That's true. Yep. And it de- it really depends. I mean, are we talking beginning of cruise, exactly. middle cruise, end of cruise? It's man, that's th- it's like those F sixteen noses. They're there. You just you can't go wrong. Nope. You, you can know? paint whatever gray. Paint you it whatever want. you want. Yeah. You know, and now with deployments being extended. I'm sure airplanes are coming yeah. off the boat even with, more beat to piss. With purple oh, yeah. frickin' primer. There you yeah. go. Oh. Or green. There was that one F-18 picture of the Super Hornet that had a bunch of green, funky green yeah. looking primer on it. I know? came back from uh, Desert Storm on Saratoga and we ferried a uh, squadron of Marine yeah. Harriers back. And my God, they were in the desert the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. they were nasty. Nasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they Can't were. do 28 days in the desert. Oh, my God, nope. man. They were nasty. Nope. You know, yeah. so it really does. Yeah. What? It depends. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I will agree with you on that one, Darren. And for the listeners, a 28 days, usually the freshwater rinse that you would do for land-based aircraft, you go out there and you wash the airplane. Yeah, that's, it's unreal. But even then, you know, you'll wash it with soap and it's still nasty. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, two of the other colors besides dark ghost gray and light ghost gray um, that are typical, like, that you'd see on like A7s, A6s, F14s, F18s, S3s, EA6Bs, EA6As. Um, you also had sometimes they'd use FS36270, which is a medium gray. Um, and then they'd also, some of the other Tomcat uh, schemes that I've seen, they use uh, FS35237, which is that medium kind of a gray blue. It's a little bit darker on the top. Um, sometimes some of the Tomcat schemes, you know, they all kind of blend together a little bit, but you know, when you're looking at the actual paper on paper, how it's painted, the top part of the Tomcat is that, uh, that FS three, five, two, three, seven, you know, and two, like I'd mentioned, we were doing our pre-production meeting, the, uh, VF 32 mid killer I want to do was painted up in that scheme that had the medium gray. Yep. Yep. And so it's. Yeah, that's what I want to do. It's pretty cool, man. It's, it is. Yeah, and and I think the even though it's a quote gray scheme, man, you can really go to town um, with the weathering. Um, and for me, the the colors that I like to use because they're exact, they're pretty accurate um, colors are from Gunsy Aqueous. Everybody knows I'm a big Gunsy Aqueous fanboy. I think I might be the only person, but I just absolutely love that paint. Um, and it's just, again, the way I use it, I can just get the results that I'm kind of looking for. Um, but all of those corresponding FS numbers have the particular um, H series numbers for Gunsy Aquas. So I'm just going to go through those real quick if folks want to write them down. Um, these really are the colors of choice, in my opinion, if you want to do a tactical paint scheme, a modern U.S. Navy scheme. So I'll start off with um, the FS number, so FS36270, that's medium gray, that's H306. For FS36320, that's dark ghost gray, that's H307. For FS36375, that's light ghost gray, that's H308. And then for FS35237, that's the medium gray blue, and that's H337. Again, and, and a lot of times these are just the the base colors that I may use. But if I start when I'm building when I'm painting a, a TPS scheme, I, I might use 
15 or show, so um, shades of gray. So I don't just stick with those. I, I'm going to use lots of different shades of, of grays. And I'll also use um, some other um, funky browns and blacks and grays and stuff. So, but I'm and I'll get I'm going to get into to what my process here in just a minute um, because I know not everybody likes aqueous. So some of the other um, paint companies that are out there that have matching FS colors because uh, you can use any kind of grays that you want, but you you know I try to use close to the shade if I've got a good picture i'm just trying to match what's on the picture but for lacquer based stuff i'm sorry for you're gonna say something i was just gonna say i think that's key too right is good reference material absolutely have the picture that you're trying to strive for and yep go from there yeah makes it makes it a lot a lot easier to try to match the um you know, the look and what you're kind of going for, if you have good reference photos. So, I mean, we, of course we all love what detail and scale puts out when they've got their colors and markings. Um, it, it's just, it's an essential part of my library. Got and, it open right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. See, <laughs> it's just because, because you can have, I mean, a faded, you know, the dark ghost gray, light ghost gray will look nothing like dark ghost gray or light ghost gray. It'll look nothing like it. It almost sometimes can almost look like white. Yep. Sun faded. Sun faded. Yep. So it just depends on um, the look you're, you know, what are you looking for? What are you trying to achieve? Um, So don't, don't feel bad about, oh, I got to get the perfect exact right shade because it's gray, you know, it's gray. You know, real quick too, before we move on. I remember Tim had mentioned they were trying out experimental TPS schemes to find out which one was right. But there was a time period, too, that in the P3's life, they were painted up in a tactical paint scheme. Yep. And there's a picture of a VX1 P3 where they were testing out different TPS schemes. And it looked funny because the gray, like a skunk. And it had like a lighter gray <laughs> across the top. Yeah. And everybody knows the P3, the gold gray and white, the top part was painted white because they yeah. kept Aviance cool, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so it looks kind of funny. And I'll try, I'll, I'll, I got on my laptop and I'll post that on our Facebook page to see the kind of cool, weirdness man. that was going on when they were trying to figure out the right. We still had a couple TPS schemes. Yeah, we did. We got up to Maine. That was the, on the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Early they, 2000s, yeah. Yeah. Was it Furball that had a couple of sheets? Like they had the Heater Ferris scheme that had some really yes, kind F4s of fours. Yeah, those testing. were cool. They were really, those are awesome looking. Darren, you're going to say yeah, something? Another thing to think about whenever you're you're looking at uh, the fading and the different tones of the grays and so on and so forth. And Whitey, being a corrosion guy, he can kind of back me up on the numbers here. But I believe it was the most you could paint on an aircraft during a special special is like 10%. Uh, Typically, unless you were going to do a, a complete respray, but you couldn't do that. But Yeah, you can't do a complete respray at, at the squadron level. Right. So my point was is that you would have different sections of the airplane yeah. that yeah. might be different shades of gray because of yep. well, was that lots the, of paint. Yep. There's so many different variables. that. Yep. Well, that Navair 509, no, the 509 was Avionics Corrosion Control and 540 was. No, the 509 is a Corrosion Control. I know there's two of them. Yep. And, yeah, it, at the squadron level, you're not supposed to do nope. large area painting. It's right. supposed to be touch up solely for the, for the purpose of corrosion control. Why yeah. is that though? Uh, I mean, I'm asking. Just, I don't just know. out of uh, operational, because when you paint an entire airplane, it's off the schedule for how many days? 
I mean, that's well, really what it comes not down to. Be the, you're changing the you're changing the weight. I mean, yeah, you paint, yeah, there's you that start, stuff you start that goes into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess so. Would it be the and, paint too? Because it's like a poly pro kind of paint, right? Like a yeah, yeah. When the sixteen, I can only speak for sixteen four forty. That's what I shot, and we had we had polyurethane paint in our paint locker, and. We really weren't supposed to. Right. At, at, at you had to put like a hazmat suit on and yeah. tape and, everything and, on. You know, if I wind up with cancer in a few years, I probably won't be surprised. I mean, <laughs> I always wore a respirator, just like I do shooting paint in my in my shop. But yeah, yeah, there there are higher OSHA criteria for mm-hmm. when you're shooting polyurethane paint, and um, our squadron was one of the first to go to a full E two sixteen four forty overall and getting rid of the white underside. And so we got a couple in from St. Augustine, from Grumman, that were painted as such. And, I mean, I'm going to eat nothing at the time, so I'm certainly not in the decision-making process there. But somebody said, hey, we're going to Panama. We want the—because we still had, like, two birds that still had the white undersides. And the skipper or somebody—I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, but somebody said, hey, let's make them all 16440 overall. And we spent a couple of late nights shooting the underside yeah, of Hawkeye Wings. Back to sixteen foot, and huh? You know, you talk about the weight and the balance and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure there was probably because you got to scuff sand everything first. Uh, you know, you get out there having a jitterbug party with the rotary sanders, and uh, and yeah, we had the hangar bay doors open, just shooting poly sixteen four forty onto these things, and totally against regs. I mean. It you depending know, on where on you're it. at in the country, there's fines levied. I mean, California, they were popping <sighs> oh. people twenty, twenty-five thousand yeah. dollars fines. Yeah, for doing wow, stuff. no Big kidding. Yeah, yeah, so. Wow. And I mean, we, and the difference was like epoxy based sixteen four forty would look great for about two days, and then it would dull down and collect dirt. So our, our maintenance chief or somebody was like, "Ah, that stuff looks like crap." Use the poly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, chief. Give me Thank cancer. Yeah. yeah. Aye, aye, chief. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, it's, um, again, it's, it's, it, what's the, what's the procedure? What's the policy? Whatever with, with, you know, who's telling you what the, with, what to use and what to paint with. And, and, uh, that's why you get these funky looking schemes that have all these, it's what you got in the locker. Who's sitting at the desk? Who's telling you to paint what? So you really can't go wrong yeah. with using different shades and, and colors. But again, I think it goes back to, I always try to have a good picture in front of me uh, to use as a reference, just so I'm not too far out of whack. But it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, just use, paint it gray and, and have fun with it and don't sweat. Don't, uh, don't again, going back to Spencer's episode, don't compete with yourself. Just do whatever you want to do. Make it look good, you know? Funky looking good. schemes and yeah, man. non-standard um, yeah. lettering and numbering. Yeah. Like, it used to really like, someone would go out and you know you get a new airplane in yeah and, and folks when an airplane shows up from Grumman it doesn't have your squadron designators on it, it doesn't have the nose number etc like that right so it, it's up to the you know the squadron level to go ahead and put those markings in place and of course there's a, a book and rules and all that kind of stuff and but you know doing that takes a, a, some level of talent I mean you know and that's where you know, you'd pick the guy in the squad that knew how to do that stuff to lay out letters. You know, I'm talking like just like I mean, think about a, like a sign maker, for example. You know, if you're going to open a business, you're not just going to get a can of spray paint and shoot your name on the wall and expect <laughs> to look nice. You're going to get a professional out there. Yeah. And, and at the squad, you know who who the guys were that could could lay out the letters properly. 
And, uh, you know, with Navy letters, you have that 60-degree cut. And I don't know how many times I'd go out and look at a, someone's job and, man, it would just be off. And you might have a 60-degree cut on one side of the letter or number, but then the other one's just off and wrong. And, you know, who knows what the, you know, again, maybe this person just doesn't have the eye for it. And, yeah. you know, you'd have a template and all this kind of stuff, but God knows we've all been around sales. They're going to jack something up, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> the first, I mean, the first time I walked out to the aircraft, I'm like, hey, sir, we got your name on the side of the aircraft. But that was a pretty big day for me, you know, oh, to walk out. You and, want it to look nice. You know, I want it to look good. And they fucking misspelled my last name. How hot is that? Two M's. Four letters. <laughs> Two M's. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. And so I. I dress them down and tell them what do. Do you know what I do? You know what I did? I went out there and taped it myself. Did you? I did. See, because you know, I did. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny. Is going back to when was my last boat deployment? That was on the Kennedy. That was in like 2002. Squadrons are getting away from painting their squadron markings and colors and stuff on the aircraft, and they're using vinyl cutouts. Because I remember, yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was VFA 134, the Wildcats, and I remember them having them. 131. Okay, yeah, 131. I, yeah, you were in that squadron. And I remember the uh, having them laid out, whatever squadron it was. I'm not, I wasn't a pointing nose guy. And uh, I remember having the vinyl cutouts laid out in the hangar, how it was going to go on the tail, and that was what they did. And even going to our P3, you know, my, my P3 squadron days, that's how they were because we were swapping airplanes from like squadron to squadron, wing to wing. And you could see where I guess they'd put the vinyl sticker on there and then they would just seal the edge yeah. with whatever and so when they'd peel it off and we transfer an airplane you could see the outline where of what squadron it came from oh uh, yeah yeah oh well, i mean yeah. most we had, of, we, we sorry go guy, ahead Wayne. we had a guy paint the uh the bat on our tail backwards one time <laughs> that was pretty cool <laughs> and they left it that way yeah. you know and but because <laughs> we had this big bat uh, and we had a, a you know a giant uh, template stencil yeah. in the shop. You know, it was, it was rolled up brown paper, but you know, so you wouldn't use that to shoot through. You would use that to uh, you'd get your paint tick marks, and then you yeah. connect the dots and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, yeah, dude just totally laid it out, flying <laughs> flying backwards. You know, like you know, and, and he you know peels Which, up peels off the mask and tape, and we're all oh don't. great great job. It's going the wrong way, and it, it was, it was aircraft six zero two. That's funny. And we left it that way because yeah. it, you know we were. I think we were getting rid of the, we were decommed in a few months anyway. Yeah. So, you know, which I think is one of the cooler Hawkeye mark squadron markings out there. Cause I remember the bat on the, on the tails was kind of cool looking. Cool, man. Yeah. I still got to build one of those, man. Yeah, you do. Jeff Martin needs to make me some decals. He made me some stencils, but sweet. The, of all the squadrons, there, there are 148 scale decals for 117, every, 124. For every E2 squadron except for VAW 127. I mean, even Coast Guard and yeah. Mexico. <laughs> I mean, there's some Israeli ones. Cause Israeli, Israeli, yeah. yep, yep. Wow. VAW 127 is the only Jeff, squad you that there's no, 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 <laughs> no stickers for, wow. as as Darren might say. Stickers, hashtag stickers. Not well, I, you know, I I think just kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back uh, to topic here just a little bit as far as some of the other uh, companies that had matching FS colors. Uh, if you're looking for lacquer. Uh, type of paint. Mr. Color has a great range. MRP, AK Interactive, and SMS, they all have um, matching FS colors for tactical paint schemes. 
Um, if acrylic you're looking for, of course, I mentioned Gunsy Aqueous, the best paint ever. <laughs> uh, but Mission, Mission Models also uh, has um, some FS number paints as well as MIG. Now, Tamiya, you know, and I wish uh, we all are, we all love Tamiya, but I think we really wish that they would just, if they could make some of the FS colors and bottles and spray cans, I think the sp- some of the cans have them. Um, I think so, but I, I really wish that they would make the FS colors, um, in their acrylic, acrylic line, also their lacquer line, of course. But yeah, uh, I think that, that, that I think those would sell really well. Cause to me, to me, it makes really good paint. Um, uh, if acrylic you're looking for, of course, I mentioned Gunsy Aqueous, the best paint ever, <laughs> uh, but mission, Agree. mission models also, uh, has, um, some FS number paints as well as MIG. Now Tamiya, you know, and I wish uh, we all are, we all love Tamiya, but I think we really wish that they would just, if they could make some of the FS colors and bottles and spray cans, I think the, some of the cans have them. Um, I think so, but I, I really wish that they would make, the FS colors um, in their acrylic, acrylic line, also their lacquer line, of course. But yeah, uh, I think that that the, I think those would sell really well because to me, to me, it makes really good paint. Um, I'm going to go off topic for a quick second. There's a ton of companies that produce really good paints, but but before we move off of, and this is kind of like a little bit of a squirrel here, but um, I learned something this week that is going to freak people out, and I think it's going to freak you guys out too. All right. Did you know that you can use the Mr. Hobby or Gunsy spray cans, like their Mr. Surfacer, whether it's 1,500, 1,000, 1,200, the lid, you can take the lid from Mr. Surfacer and you can decant it. Shut the front door. No way. I am dead serious. I am dead serious. You can, if you take a Gunsy Mr. Surfacer can, Take the lid, and guess what else it works on? Don't say it. Oh, I'm going to say it. No, don't say oh, it. Oh, yes, I am. Tamiya spray cans. Get the heck out of here, I man. I am not kidding. What? So, what? Yes. No I, way. It is verified that you can take Tamiya man. spray cans, use the Gunsy Mr. Surfacer lid, the, the top, and you can. it fits right on top of the- so, uh, No shit. No sh- I am so not no shitting more you. fiddle jacking around. No more with super glue a, sp- a straw nope. to the tip of your- Nope. It, right. In fact, it's built, I mean, the little knot, it has like this weird like built-in little receptacle that will automatically like protect when the, the, the paint comes out, it will shoot it to the bottom of the cup. What will the Japanese think of? I don't know. Shut the front door. I, I was, actually, no kidding, learned something new today. I, I am happy to help. Wow. <laughs> like, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> I was like, I was blown away when I saw it. I was like, I was like, I saw it, and I was like, uh, what the hell did I just watch? That's bullshit. No way, dude. That's like game changer. It is. That is yeah. a game changer. I've never, you know, I've, I've literally, I've never decanted paint to spray because of the mess it would make in the, the paint and the butter. So no that, that changes things. Leave it to Gunsy, no. Mr. Hobby folks. Yep. Now you probably still have to let it sit in off gas. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 
Yeah. So, so the, you know, use, use the, the top. Um, and again, this is a Gunsy Mr. Surfacer spray can, whether it's 1,000, 1,500, 1,200. They have this little hole that you'll see on the top of the lid. And if you flip it upside down, it'll fit and remove the, the spray nozzle from whether it's a Tamiya can or a Gunsy can. And you can, it'll fit right on top of it. Um, and then when you push down on it, it, you'll see it'll just, it, it, it'll decant the paint for you and you can just pour it into a is jar. That, is that yeah. the same for their, their, their like clear flat? Yes. Clear flat has it as well. Shut the front door. It, yep. So, and you can get that at, at Hobby Lobby. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know, yep. man. I know, man. <laughs> so, I mean, it just opens up all sorts of possibilities. There's all sorts of different paints you can decant with that yep. because almost all those nipples are the same About size. The same size. Dude, that yep. tool's going to save you. Now you can it just is. take it and just keep that in your toolbox. You yep. clean it out, take your paint, decant it, put it into a jar, yep. clean out your lid, and put it away. To you yep. know what? They're, it's a tool. They withstand yep. lacquer thinner, too, so you could run a little bit of yep. lacquer thinner in there. Absolutely. Using the proper PPE, yep. of course, and wipe your lid out, and then boom, you've got a. You know what I see coming? <clears throat> What's that? Mr. Paint Decanter. Oh, marketing genius yep. over here! Let's get on it. Yep, yep. We should. We got to get on it, man. Get it now while the iron's hot. It's new good. for model geeks. Yep. Thank yeah. us later, folks. That's why we're here. <laughs> anyway, um, so cool. Well, um, now I, I'd like to get into specifically the process that um, I I do um, when I'm building uh, modern U.S. Navy stuff when I'm painting um, TPS um, patterns. Um, so, uh, I'm just going to jump right in. So to get that sort of weathered look, uh, it's, it's, there's several sort of steps in the process, but they're really actually pretty simple. So I, I start off with pre-shading and, and when I pre-shade, I don't, I, when I'm going to do a U.S. Navy scheme, um, me personally, I do everything with the airbrush. So I'm, I'm using, I take just a standard, you know, put the kit together now I do want to have a I, I'm a what they I guess they would call gray basing. In other words, I just use this straight old like for example Hasegawa or to me a plastic is that nice gray color, and I'm using black pre shading to hit panel lines. And instead of doing black basing, where I'm doing a, you know do a primer in black and then use gray to do squiggles and to make all these varying uh, different shades of the panel lines and the different panels, I just do it with the black. So I, it, it's just the, the aircraft, the, the model is already in gray. So all I do is just take the, the actual black and I go over all the panel lines and start shading where I think the wear areas would be. So like on an underside of a Tomcat, I'm using black, I'm using brown. I might even use some other crazy colors like, I don't know, tans or greens or, or just reds, reds blues, just whatever I think is going to give a really sort of an odd orange for like the hide fluids yep. and stuff you can use underneath. So, um, and again, this is going to be underneath. And if you mix it in with the blacks and the browns and the grays, you know, it just starts to look really kind of cool. And again, this is just pre-shading. So once I'm done and I'm happy with the pre-shade, then I take, and when I'm appreciating, I'm, I mean, you know, again, it doesn't really matter the mixture, but I'm probably doing 60, 40, a little bit thicker just to kind of speed the process along. But, but I don't, I don't go real thick with the paint. Um, it's still fairly thin, but once I've got my pre-shade completely done, now comes the part that most people don't like, which is I'm using probably 80% thinner 
20% paint. So it is, it's a lot of thinner and just a little bit of paint. It's very thin. And again, I'm probably spraying around 15, 20 PSI. And I just back the back the airbrush away from the the model and I start lightly putting on the paint, just lightly painting. And I'm going like panel by panel, just kind of filling it in, looking at it, just slowly filling in the panel. And, and I, you have to be very careful because what you don't want to do is use, if you're using really thick paint, you're going to completely cover up all the pre-shading and there you go. It's your, your, all your work is for nothing. All right. Question time. Yep. You say you're going panel by panel. Are you completing that panel, like all the layers and then moving on to the next panel? Or are you saying you're doing your, your first thin layer panel by panel each time and then coming back panel by panel each time. For, and the reason why I'm doing sort of panel by panel and not just opening the nozzle up super huge is because I feel like I waste a lot of paint yeah, by man. doing that. That's the only I reason. I think you probably get more variation, too. Exactly. Exactly. You can allow yeah. more color. Yeah. To yeah. So, but, so that being said, though, do you, so are you completing a panel and then moving on, though, or is it? Yeah. Like, how do you go? So, so if I've got the model in front of me, I am literally, I will find, see where the panel lines are mm-hmm. and I will just gently start shading just that particular panel until yeah. I get it to where I'm like, okay, that starts to look good. And then I'll just move on to the next adjacent panel gotcha. and then the next adjacent panel and so on and so on. And it takes a while. Um, and, and, and that's the part that drives everybody crazy. So I know like, cause I've yeah. heard you say before how you do, Multiple thin layers. So you're not yep. coating the whole thing with multiple thin layers. I mean, you are essentially in the end. Right. But you're not just hosing it. Correct. And then coming back and hosing it again. That's right. And hosing it again. You're not doing it like that. You're nope. doing, you're hosing in each panel. Correct. Individually. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that's key right there. Yeah. That helps keep your panel line there too. You yeah. Set the yeah. mark right there. Yep. And I'm, and I, and when you, when I, I'll, sh- again, I'll, you guys have probably never seen me do this, but when I do it at Nats, you're going to notice the airbrush is very active. The tip, I'm not doing these very kind of even lines back and forth. I am, the airbrush is going to be yeah, moving a lot because I want to keep that variation. If I just jack the nozzle way open and start putting slapping paint on, you lose the that effect um, underneath because the whole reason for the pre-shade is you want to be able to see it underneath that's like you know I, i've seen some of the the black basing I, I mean i think that's i mean i haven't tried it because i like just how i do it but like for example justin's working on his mig 29 and he used those stencils he black based it right so he painted a black primer and he used the stencil to spray paint like white or super light gray i'm doing that i'm just doing it the opposite way Instead of yeah, I'm, yeah. And it's get, get the same destination exactly right. But some people really like and swear by the black basing. Good, try that. I like to use. Uh, I take one less step out. In other words, instead of priming it and gumming up the panel lines, I like because again, I'm trying to put the least amount of paint down. That's why I don't like to use a primer. Um, and and again, I have to be careful with it because Gunsy Aquas is really soft, but. That's that's really what I'm going for is the thinnest layers possible to give you that effect. And I, I did leave out one important point before I start spraying anything. I add flat base to Gunsy Aqueous. That is because the the I want the paint not grainy and rough, but I want it matte. 
So recently, I know that guys have been saying use rapid, I think it's it rapid thinner that really helps with um, giving you that nice matte coat. But For me, the surface, they're like 1500 Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, so if I'm going to you know do some, but I think it might actually work. I haven't tried it, but because when I'm, when I'm mixing in um, my Gunsy Aqueous, I use um, Tamiya, the, just the regular old Tamiya acrylic thinner. Um, that's just my standard. I, I like the Tamiya thinner. It works great with Gunsy stuff, but I'll add in like maybe two or three pea-sized um, scoops of flat base, Gunsy flat base, not Tamiya flat base, Gunsy flat. I mix Gunsy flat base with Gunsy paint. I mix Tamiya flat base with Tamiya paint. I, I have tried them before. It works, but not as well. It'll, it'll, it gives me, it, it's not as smooth as if I'm using manufacturer with manufacturer. So, and I stick with Gunsy flat base. And I, again, I just put about the, it, when I, when I add some in there, it's about the size of a pea um, with a little scoop um, and, you know, mix it in really well. And then as I'm, when I'm spraying the, the, to tell how the right, how the it's mixed right is when I spray it on the model, it looks wet and then it almost immediately starts to disappear into matte. So when I'm spraying it, it doesn't look matte. It looks wet. And then, but it's only for like a second or two. It's not like, you know, instantly matte. Um, and the, so it's the perfect sort of um, balance between um, having a semi gloss initial appearance but then a few seconds later, it's it's matte, and you can feel it. You can I can I can feel it with my finger and tell. And I'll usually start on a mule when I mix up some in a bottle. I'll I'll check on the mule and make sure that when it's drying, I can feel it with my finger, and then it's going to polish correctly. And why do I use Gunsy Aqueous? Because I can polish it with a t-shirt, and I don't need a gloss coat. And decals love Aqueous because it's soft. So it's again it cuts down on silvering. Okay, so so once I've got the pre-shade done, once I've got my paint mixed with my, added with my flat base, um, pre-shades all nice and blacks, browns, reds, greens, tans, whatever I need, and then I start going like I said, panel by panel by panel by panel by panel. I am not again. I am not opening the nozzle full open and dousing and loading the model with with nice huge even strokes at 40 ps i'm not doing that i go the reason why i go panel by panel is it quite frankly i have more control and i it saves on paint and to me i have i i can have i can get a better effect um and and be able to to manage how much pre-shade i want to show through by going slow um and you have to play with it play with it on a mule um but that's how I learned how to do this. And it really does give you an incredible, especially with the recess panel lines, when you can just go back with, you know, with a wash, it just, it really just makes the finish just kind of pop out at you. But once I've got my pre-shade done, I've now hit all of the panels. So I have what I've called the base coat. Okay. So pre-shade is done. The base coat of gray is done. Now comes the fun part. So I'm typically taking a lighter shade of gray, or it could be several lighter shades of gray, and I start hitting the center of panels. And I, I try not to be um, consistent with it. I do random panels, just hitting them with lighter colors. I don't want every single panel to be highlighted. I just want some panels to be highlighted. 
And then guess what else I do? I take maybe a little darker and a little different shade of gray, and I hit some other panels. And then I take another shade of gray, and I hit some other panels. And then I might mix in some brown with it, and I might hit some other panels. So then once I've got pre-shade, base coat, highlights done, now I go back in some certain panel lines like where the wing root is. Okay, I'll take my favorite mix, which is Tamiya Black-Brown. I don't know why the Tamiya Black-Brown works best, but that's just what I like. And now this shit is like 85, 90% thinner, like 10% paint, man. It's really, really thin. Why is it really, really thin? Because it gives me a ton of control over how much effect I get in that wing root or wear areas. And sometimes I'll literally just be tapping. I'll open up the nozzle and just be tapping to put some spots down really thin or I'll go into the wing roots and just barely hit those panel lines with that black-brown mix. And again, it's subtlety. And I'll just kind of build it up until I get the effect that I'm looking for. So there's my my low light. So again, it's pre-shade first, base coat, highlight, and then low light. And then once I'm done with that, I take the old t-shirt out and I polish the shit out of it. Polish, 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 polish. And occasionally I'll, I'll check it, you know, do some polishing in between coats. Um, but then once the paint's all done, now it's time for the wash. Whitey. Question. Yep. What if you're doing a camo scheme? Ooh. Yeah, make 23. So you're not going, because like, I'm yep. envisioning like, yeah. like your Phantom you just did. Yep. So, okay, the underside's all white. The upside's all 16, 440. Pretty all gray. Yeah. yeah. You, panel yeah. by panel, easy day. Now, but throw in a camo scheme where like you're crossing over panels that are different colors yep. you know so how do you how do you go so, about it that way so um and i know i said today we're going to talk about tps schemes but whitey just asked an awesome question about what about camo and so well with tps schemes you get a camo pattern in so, there sometimes yeah. but even talking like say say like a southeast asia scheme like a, like a you know that the the two color green and the brown yeah, like man. how i would do it on this is the same way i would do it on a TPS scheme. So you can pretend whether this was all gray or greens or browns, this, the, how I do it is the exact same, but we'll, we'll even go more in depth and we'll hit the, like a Southeast Asia scheme, quite frankly, because I have a one Oh five sitting in front of me. And so I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to talk through, but it's, I'm going to talk through this, but it think about, it's the same way I do it on, on a TPS scheme. So I start with the lightest. Always, I always, always, always start with the lightest color. So the, when you look at the, the 105, the first thing that I did was pre-shade. So you can see the pre-shade coming through. Mm -hmm. Then I did base color, and I did literally panel by panel by panel by panel by panel. The whole tan, right? So once I get pre-shade done, then I get the base color done. Then you can kind of see see the highlights in the centers of the panels, yeah, just kind of picking that crap out. So then I did the highlights. Then I went back along the panel lines and just worked like all these streaking here in between. So when you see the, like the flap area, um, that's a lot of gunk and corrosion, not corrosion, but grime wing root areas. I'll hit that with that black Brown mix. So that's what, um, you'll see on some of my models where the wing roots are, um, the aft part of the flaps, that's all that to me, a really thin black-brown mix. And I slowly build it up. It doesn't look like this the first pass. It looks almost like there's nothing there. And I do that because 
man, it's just too hard to control a thick paint to get it perfect whenever I spray it. Um, and another reason why I spray um, matte colors or, you know, with that flat base in it is that I want the paint to stop whenever I put it on the model. Whenever it, whenever the, the paint goes and hits the model when it's glossy, it tends to slide just a little bit. So it's a little yeah. slippery, whereas the matte, it sticks exactly where I want it to go. So, and what I'll do, like in particular, I'll show some, I'll take some, maybe we can take some pictures, Darren, and, and put the 105 up because it gives a good example. Um, and maybe we can pick another TPS scheme or one of the models I have and sh- put them up on the, on the Facebook. Yep. But um, I painted all of the brown on the F-105 first. So everything that you see here brown-wise looked just like that without the green on it. So, and then when I went, then after I finished the brown, then I did the light green. And I did all the different shades of green before I did the darker green. And then so on and so forth. And the dark green was the last one that I did. But I didn't do like just the base coat, then just the base coat of the green, and then just the base coat of the darker green. I did everything. Um, I did the entire brown first, everything all the way through. We're like, okay, cool. She's done. And then light green, dark green, and so on and so forth. And that's how I would do the TPS schemes as well. I start with the lightest gray pattern, the lightest gray color and do all the weathering up through. So oh, I'm done yeah. with light gray and then move on to the dark gray. Okay. Cool. So getting back to my question. Sure, man. How do you get the demarcation line, though? So Are there's still, like, because if I'm going to shoot a demarcation line across a wing, I'm going to yep. start at the trailing of a leading edge and come across the wing. Boom. Yeah. You don't do that. No, no. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, when I'm doing a camo, I'll outline it first. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Answer my question. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just, but I'll just do a very, very light outline. Yeah, man. Okay. And then of from the light, there, you're, of the light color, you're of the light. From right. there, you're bringing that panel you're shooting up to that demarcation line. And yep. You know, yes. and, and, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Then. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm tracking. Yep. And and the thing is, is when you have that, when the paint is really thin, because all this 105 is all freehand. You know, there's no masks or any on that. This is just thinning the paint and really taking my time getting those getting the circles done and then working panel by panel by panel by panel. And I, I like to t- tend to work it in a circular motion just so that it doesn't, because even when you're painting this way, you're having to stop and then start. And so to try to get that all at once, the same time, every time, man, I just can't do it. So what I'll do is when I start painting, I'll paint like, just like that, just this cer- certain, then I'll do this. And just like because that. that's I, how you get that hard edge where like you go to put the color down like on the MiG twenty three I have it right now in a couple yeah. spots yeah where you could see where I went and I was focusing on the edge yeah I just do like Damn you know and, and again it's it's to get that tight of a panel like I didn't I don't even remember going I didn't even have to go like back and forth with the colors I just it's thin paint and then just would like work the circle here and then do like this. And then do this one, mm-hmm. and then do this one, and then start working the panels. Now, um, I would say that you have not, absolutely not screwed up the MiG-23. The more layers that you have, whether you're doing grays or browns and tans, camo, or what, the more layers, the better it's going to look. See, so, like... Yeah, you want... a recovery point. You want all those layers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's okay yeah. to... 
it, to go back and, and, and check stuff. And if you have to redo stuff, it actually will, will start to even look better, mm. you know, cause you don't, what you don't want is it super even, you know, you want it to look uneven. And I've seen the MiG-23. It looks awesome, man. You're doing great well, on thanks, it. It just but, takes, it yeah. takes a long, that's the only drawback to this particular technique with appreciating base coat, highlight, low light, and then black brown mixture. Yeah, it takes a while. And and most folks are like, what in the hell? You know, I mean, they don't want to, it's just like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to take that much time, but that's, and then you can use stuff like. You know, you can use Prismacolor pencils and oils, and some folks use the salt technique. You know, it all looks good. You know, you have to just practice on your mule to see what works best for you, and then just give it a go, man. Yep. Give it a go. I'm, I'm sorry for, for being long-winded on this one. It's just, it, it is fairly involved, but, man, paintings, I love doing it. It's fun. It's good. Um, I, I appreciate you guys, if you're still with us, awesome. Thank you. I, I know that my process for painting TPS schemes is, is, is a little long-winded. Um, sorry about that. Um, but if you have any questions about anything that I've discussed, uh, please please let me know. Just shoot me an email. Uh, give me a buzz, and I'm happy to, to talk through if you need more specifics. And, and we'll take some pictures and put some examples up on the Facebook uh, page of some of the models that I've painted, um, whether it's camo or with... Uh, TPS scheme so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. All I know is that I'll be front row and center for this demo at the Nats. <laughs> cool, man. Bring your notepads, people. Take notes. Good be there deal. with me taking notes. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, guys, holy goodness, man. Episode 30. That's uh, just it's crazy, man, how, how quickly they, they, uh, they move along, you know? Um, and again, I just want to say thank you to not only my co-hosts, which are the most awesome freaking dudes on the planet. Uh, thanks to all the listeners out there. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Um, I really appreciate everybody uh, supporting the podcast. Um, you know, and again, we we take a lot of we try to take a lot of time to to make these podcasts sound good. Hopefully, they sound good. Um, we really enjoy putting them together. Hopefully, um, you folks get something out of what we're putting put what we're putting out there content wise. Love discussing the hobby, and again, just thanks to everybody uh, for making us part of your your bench time. Uh, join us for our next podcast. But for now, be excellent to each other, and uh, by all means, get out there and build something. All right. So you guys take care. We're out from the geeks. See you later. Good night, guys. Take it easy, everyone.